Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 65-year-old from London, Ontario, Canada, a fifth-round draft pick of the Toronto Maple Leafs, a staple of the Aurora Tigers and Kingston Canadians. In 77-78, had 72 points and 80 games played with the Saginaw Gears of the IHL, was named the second-team IHL All-Star team, and then laced up for 230 NHL games between the Toronto Maple Leafs and Pittsburgh Penguins, where he had 30 points or over 30 points twice as a D-man. And he ended up playing 14 pro seasons and is also the father of two former Potters. Welcome to the podcast, Greg Hotham. Well, thanks, Brent. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, no problem. Don't call me Brent, though. I, I, what, is it I Wally? won't be myself Wally? out here if you call me Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Wally. Right? Oh, yeah. Wally? No, that's, okay. that's the, yeah. No, when I get out to the shed, I don't really want to be called Brent anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. Nobody actually, calls me Greg anymore either, so. <laughs> I actually got a chuckle at work today because I report for the KPIs for my department. Um, I now um am called wally in the kpi so that's good i'm not even bred to work now either <laughs> yeah well i've had the nickname hawk since i was 12 years old and everybody calls me that too so. hawk yeah how'd you get yeah, that? that that was that was an old golf thing right so when i started playing golf at like uh, 12 years old um i was playing with a buddy of mine and his brother and uh um they kept losing their golf balls i kept finding them and so he just nicknamed me Hawkeye, and then it just short form the Hawk, and I've been called that ever since. So you, know, so you had 50, a good eye for golf balls, eh? Yeah. Well, when you lose them, right? Back in those days, right? Golf balls were uh, were a premium because you couldn't buy them, right? So you didn't have any money. So anything you found it was it was a gold. So uh, I ended up finding a heck of a lot of golf balls, and that's the reason how I got the name, and it stuck with me all these years. Oh, that's that's interesting. I also looked for a lot of golf balls. I grew up beside a golf course, so that's how I started golfing was finding all the golf balls just like yourself. <laughs> okay, so how we know each other is what I get into, and I guess uh, two of your sons are former potters. Episode 68, Scott, and episode 62, Andrew, which he is in the top five of most played episodes. Yeah, I guess I don't know uh, why you guys had a pretty good one there. I thought it was uh, is pretty funny, and uh, actually, I didn't know some of the stuff that Andrew was uh, talking about, so it kind of enlightened me on a few of his uh, escapades over the years, um, uh, which is probably just as well that I didn't know half of them. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's got some interesting stories for sure, and uh, um, yeah, he was. Uh, 
he, him and uh, Scott were two different uh, types of players, right? And two different types of kids and stuff. So it was, uh, it was an interesting time, you know, both kids playing triple A hockey and, uh, and so on. Right. And so, um, yeah, there's, uh, I'm, I'm sure we got a lot of things to talk about with both of them as well. Oh, that, that's for sure. I actually have never seen Scott play. Um, but I, I feel like after I pod with someone, I can figure out how they play. So I'll see what which one you're more like by the end of this podcast. <laughs> well, I think they're a little bit of both, right? I, like I like it, my my play. I I wasn't a fighter like maybe Andrew would be. Um, I didn't have that short of temper, um, but I'm probably a little bit more in the Scott mold in that sense. But the, back in the tier two uh, days in my first year in the eye, I, I did fight a fair bit. Um, you pretty much had to back in the eye because that was you know kind of the old slap shot days right so you know you had to kind of fight to survive so to speak and so um but after a while um i just wasn't built for fighting i was built for you know the other part the offensive part of the game so i said you know you can either st- spend your time in a penalty box uh you know sore hands or uh, you can you can play the game so i chose the other one which is probably just as well because i would have got my ass kicked yeah, I was gonna say you're not for how big some boys were. Like they weren't the giants like the '90s, but there were some big boys, right? Well, there were some real tough, tough players, right? We're going back. I mean, the eye, uh, maybe not so. I mean, there were some tough guys, but you know, when I first made the NHL, which was '79, I mean, that was still some tough, tough hockey players, right? The Broad Street bullies were still in, uh, still playing. Um, Boston had some real tough teams. And, you know, back in those days, fights were fights. And what I mean by that is that they were toe to toes. There wasn't any grabbing the arms and grabbing Strip, the jersey. Yeah, yeah they, they, there was bombs, right? And so uh, if you were tough, it was a tough way to make a living. Uh, but if you weren't tough, it's, you know, you were, you had to decide which, how you were going to do it. And I, that's what I said earlier, right? I had to decide. And, and I what decided, age was that you decided that? That was what, once you got uh, into pro? You know, I think it was probably after my second year pro, probably. And that's when you're like a second team all-star and you got like 72 points. You were fighting and doing all that. So you were like Andrew then. Yeah, a little bit in that sense. But it wasn't like, you know, Andrew's, you know, he would provoke more than I would provoke. (laughs) Right, you know, <laughs> he that. provoked you everybody, he provoked <laughs> exactly. everybody with everything. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was you he know, had the he's... worst hairdo on the team, and he made fun of my hair all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, has he told you about my hairdos in the past? Well, or he hasn't showed you any pictures or anything like that, which are kind of funny. But see, my hair back in those days was like Andrew's, right? So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I he, saw the pictures today for your poster. I saw, I saw oh, the yeah, do you're yeah, going yeah. with, and it was Andrew. <laughs> and you, the your face, and when you were their age, you kind of looked like a combination <laughs> of the two of them. It was kind of freaky, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. Somebody's somebody's told me in the past, like Andrew looks m- more like me than what Scott does, right? But uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, but now it's, I think you look more like Scott right now. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's 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 kind of funny how things go, right? I mean, uh, but uh, yeah, back uh, the uh, back in those days, though, I like I said, I had to start making a decision, right? If I'm gonna play in the NHL, am I gonna be a heavyweight? No, I don't think so. Um, so, you know, the thing that got me there was my offensive ability and my ability to pass a puck and wasn't from my fighting. So, right. um, 
So yeah, I had to decide and I, I made, I think I made the right decision. Yeah, no, I would agree. And, uh, okay. But we got to get back to just, uh, how we know each other. And, uh, sure. I guess I, uh, did the MBA with your son. He never really used his, eh? Well, no, it's not, uh, not yet. I don't know. I mean, who knows, right? It's, I mean, it's useful know. stuff though. What we went through, the life experience, the people we met and like the challenge of playing hockey and school. Like even if you're not like, if he's, you know, being a cop instead of in the business world, you still use all that. Right. Well, yeah. I and mean, he went through the university, same as what you did. Right. And so you, you know, your time management is, is so important and you have to do that in real life is, you know, you have to be able to, you know, do the kind of multitask and it shows your, uh, your ability to, uh, to do more than one thing at a time. And, and, uh, and so, and be team players at the same time. Right. So. Okay. Before we get into where and what are you doing now? I got a couple random questions. Sure. What are your favorite trips did, when you're going overseas to see your kids? Uh, well, we went to two places. My wife went over to Cardiff, I think four or five times, I think. And, and I she, met you there. I met you there my very, my first year, like for like five minutes, I think. Yeah, I think. Now, was that an Andrew and uh, what's his name's apartment? Was that where we met? Or was I it think we game? met at a, um, a restaurant. The, oh, I yeah, because there was a thing at going the bay, on right? Yeah, when all, with all right. the fans. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was... Uh, you know, I went to Italy to see Scott when he played there. Um, and that was just after our uh, granddaughter Violet was born there. So um, it was, it was good, but certainly not like uh, Cardiff. Like I, we really like Cardiff. I guess it was more um, Canadianized if you want to say that kind of thing. Right. But uh, it was just, you know, a great old city. Um, obviously the hockey fans were really into it. And so, and it was back in the blue, big blue tent days too. Right. So it was, you know, I think the boys love playing in those type of arenas because in here in Barrie, we had a rink called the Dunlop Street Arena where back in the old days, the Barrie Flyers used to play and I couldn't stand it, but the kids loved it and just old style had its own history and, you know, creaky floors and everything else. Right. And big blue tent was kind of the same way. And so the new guys were built for that arena. It was perfect, really, at the end of the day. It really was. That team was perfect for that arena. And it's weird because I really love the BBT and I grew up in a small little rink like that myself. And I always loved playing in little rinks because wouldn't have to skate so far. <laughs> uh, okay. And then uh, random question. Where were your kids born? Uh, both of them were born here in Barrie. It was funny. Uh, I probably would have said that in their uh, podcast. I should yeah, know that. Yeah, both were, uh, both were considered conceived in the u.s and uh, born in barry so uh, scott was in july and andrew was in august so they okay so you guys had it all planned kids. out you meant to well i don't know if we had a plan like that but it uh you know it worked out both you know had it had we really worked it out uh we could have had them both in the u.s and they would have had their dual citizenship uh that would have been perfect but at the end of the day that doesn't really matter so right okay <laughs> well okay next question then where and what are you doing now so uh, what I do now, I'm basically retired from business and so on. Uh, and what did you got, do in business? Well, I, I was in the electrical field for about uh, 20 years. And then I got into uh, the investment side. I left the, uh, uh, the electrical field and got into real estate investment. I did that for about eight years and then decided to uh, retire. Um, so I've been retired probably for two years, two and a half years now. Uh, but I do have two things on the go that I'm doing now is 
One, I'm the chairman of the AAA Hockey here in Barrie. Um, so I run that organization with a lot of nice, great people. And I just took that on last uh, March 1st, I guess was my, uh, uh, my first uh, start at it. And uh, a gentleman was retiring. Uh, they asked me to uh, take his position over, which I did. Uh, so that keeps me busy, obviously. And then I'm also uh, the president of the Toronto Maple Leaf alumni. And uh, that keeps me busy between the two of them. So I'm, I got lots on the go. You're the president of the Alumni Association for the Maple Leafs? I am. Holy I am. moly. Yeah. Don't tell anybody that, okay? Well, I didn't know. Nobody had told me. Yeah, well... I thought your crack staff was uh, right on the ball there. But. Well, the research team didn't find that today, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what all is, what all partakes in that then? Well, the alumni part, you mean? Yeah, like yeah. being the president. What all? Well, what do you do? Well, well, we have our monthly meetings, right? So you you chair the meetings, and then uh, you know, as an organization, we decide. A lot of different uh, thoughts and ideas, and we give a lot of money away to charities. Um, and uh, our last giving uh, was probably about two years ago, where over a period of three years, we we're giving away almost a million dollars to five different charities. Um, and then we'll get through that, and uh, we'll probably pick uh, some more uh, after all those are done. So, well, uh, I don't know if you've heard what I'm doing, so I should probably bring this up then, since I didn't realize who I had on. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the Cardiff Devils jersey, my last game worn jersey ever of hockey. What I'm trying to do is raise money for charity with my new platform here. Mm -hmm. um, so that is being raffled off on my website, www dot ales hockey tales.com and you can buy tickets for that jersey and um money raised is going to be going to mental health and uh adolescent mental health in the area i live now so um if anybody wants to buy a jersey and hey since i got you on you know if you're the president if you guys want to donate something i'll put it up on my website and we'll raise some money for the charity of your choice all right. Well, let me look into that for you. It's not, uh, I don't make those day to day decisions, but leave well, it with just me. Just letting okay? you know, just letting you know, sure. I'm trying to raise money for some charities now that I have this platform. So my, this is my initial raffle is my own Jersey that was hanging in my closet and I thought I could spare one. So I'm sure. just trying to get this going. Okay. All right. Leave that with me. All right. All right. Well, anyways, that's cool that you're doing that. Yeah. Um, you must get to, be a part of a lot of cool events i would think yeah well there's you know we're always we always have things for our guys to do and um obviously the bigger names uh you know like the gilmores and the corsons and darcy tuckers and stuff are, are always uh, in demand right so uh but uh you know toronto maple leaf alumni is a big brand and we're hoping in the next uh you know, two to three years after this COVID BS gets uh, through that we can uh, start, uh, you know, uh, getting into different parts of the country. I mean, we've, we've held games all over Ontario and in other parts of Canada, and we hope to uh, start uh, doing those games again. So, yeah. Okay. So then I guess the other part of what you got going on is you also have grandkids around too, eh? Yeah, well, Violet was born in Italy, as uh, we just mentioned, and uh, you know she's uh, she's in grade uh, grade one right now, and she's a going concern. And uh, uh, Everett is three; he's not quite uh, at regular school yet. 
And he's a big kid for his age. And then uh, Andrew has uh, uh, Hudson. And Hudson's uh, a going concern, 100 miles an hour. He's got two speeds, uh, stop and full out. So he's, uh, <laughs> he's a chip off Andrew's uh, off the block there, I guess. Oh, actually, I got another random question for you before sure. we get into this. I thought of this while I was out and about today. <laughs> How dirty was Andrew's bedroom growing up? You're talking about the pizza underneath the uh, or the Coke his, bottles, uh, navigating Lieutenant well, Mayfield no, the, Brewing Company. Well, there there was never any Coke. It was always Pepsi, as you know. Oh, sorry, right? that's sorry, sorry, Andrew. Right? Yeah. Sorry, I thought it was Coke. <laughs> yeah. No. So yeah, it was funny. You'd go up, uh, go upstairs to you know, you'd fall asleep eating or something like that, right? So you fall. So this was wait. a habit that started at your house then. Yeah. So he'd wait. Because it carried you know, on to Cardiff. Yeah, so you'd wake up and, you know, you'd be walking by the room, you look underneath his bed and there's a, you know, there's a plate with a half a piece of eaten pizza there or something, right? So it's just, yeah, it just drove us nuts all the time, right? And, but, you know, he was, he's... I'm sure Ash has cleaned that up now, right? Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. We'll see. I don't know. I don't ask those questions, but (laughs) yeah, it was, it was a brutal habit he had there, but uh, yeah. (laughs) sorry i had to ask i just thought of it today because i just this was before like ash was living in cardiff full-time right and he you know yeah it's a single guy you know he was hungry at night and then he got tired right so (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure he probably fell asleep i don't know how many times with uh burgers or subs or something all over him right good gosh right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, the only time I that happened to me was when I won a championship in Germany and the pizza was on me in the morning, right? Like, well, you're allowed that and you won a championship, right? I would think so. Okay, let's get into your career then. So, sure, minor hockey was that in London? It said you're born in London. Is that where you grew up? No, actually, I grew up in Aurora, so I'm a small town guy, right? It's so, you did grow up in Aurora and then make the local tier two team or whatever. Yeah, so back in those days, uh, there wasn't any minor or major, right? Everything was just one. So, if you're a peewee, it was that's what I'm you know, coaching right now. Yeah, so there wasn't minor peewee, major peewee, it was just one. So, if you, you came in as a minor, you played for two years and and so on but in my the the good thing about me what and when i was peewee uh they changed the ages and i don't know how or why but i ended up playing three years of peewee which was kind of advantageous to me obviously but um so i played all my minor hockey there i was also a rink rat there too so at 12 years old i got a job at the local rink and you know just sweeping up and doing all the you know the crappy jobs that you had to do you know get paid about a buck an hour i think it was but at the end of the day especially on the weekends um you know saturday nights after public skating we got to skate basically as long as we wanted right so we we'd be there till two or three in the morning and then walk home right and so that was that was so good for for me as far as my hockey career goes because you know you're getting you know half a dozen guys out there playing shinny and having a great time and you know stuff like that right so yeah, you know playing hockey and having fun just makes you better right it doesn't always have to be so structured and doesn't always have to be um the way i guess hockey is nowadays with all this triple a and all the stuff right like just playing hockey with your friends is a pretty important thing 
Yeah, well, back in those days too, there was no structure to games, right? I mean, yeah. now that there's there's so much coaching involved now, and so we we basically played you, you played on talent alone for the most part, right? It wasn't yeah, okay, you had a four check and this and that, but now every every zone is structured. You got to be here, you got to do this, which I think in in a lot of ways takes away from you know players like say you or myself or whatever the guys that had imagination that you know, wanted to go out and play um, and show that side other than, you know, yeah, you got to be over here. You got to be over there. Um, it's more like a checkers game at the end of the day nowadays. Right. And so, it really is. Uh, though. Like when you see where every guy is they're they're all in the same positions on each team. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, you know, I mean, you know, I'm one of those guys, I guess, you know, the old guys always say, Oh, back in my day, this, kind of thing right but there was there was more offense more flow I mean let's put it this way when I played you know Gresky had 212 points or something whatever he had right I mean so I've watched some of those games the defense was suspect absolutely yeah for sure and there and again there was no structure I don't mean the defenders like yourself I mean the back checkers too right getting back to the house I it was Wild. Yeah, yeah. There was there's no you know sagging five guys back to the goal crease or you know below the hash marks. There was nothing like that at all. You know, and that's all it is now. I mean, I went to two games last week in Toronto, and you know it's in one of them was Tampa Bay. You know, and Tampa Bay is is so good uh, on the offense, but defensively they just they just grind everybody down to to nothing basically. In Toronto, you know, the only reason they won that game was because Campbell how well he played in the net, but you know, they just shut down Toronto all game until, you know, uh, the last uh, actually minute and then in overtime, which, you know, as you know, you, you got to have your goaltender studio games here and there. Um, and, but that certainly was, but, you know, I, I'm not a, a great fan of today's game uh, just because it's, it's so tight checking, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. These guys are really good hockey players that are, ex- you know, exceedingly talented, but, at the end of the day, uh, dollar for dollar, if you're going to watch a game, I would have rather watch a game from 35 years ago than watch it now. I personally, I, I mean, when you were talking about that Leafs game or whatever, I haven't watched a game this year. I've tried a couple times and I don't get through. I would much rather be out here talking to you about playing hockey than watching the game nowadays. I miss, like, not that everybody should be fighting, but I miss the when people got mad at each other, like there's not enough body checking. There's not enough battling for the puck. It's like just skill. And I mean, that's fun to watch sometimes, but I kind of miss the other stuff. I mean, you know, they, they skate so well and and they shoot the puck so well and, you know, they pass and that, but uh, the emote, there doesn't seem to be the emotional games like we had. And like, you know, the, and I guess you got that from your fourth line who had, you know, a bunch of, you know, guys that could knuckle draggers that could fight and it was entertaining and scared for your life out there sometimes. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of players in the NHL right now that are pretty chippy that I'm not so, so sure they would have lasted 30 years ago because somebody would have wiped them off the map and within five minutes. And yeah, the you know, chippy the rule, guys now aren't even close. They wouldn't have even no. thought of being chippy back. <laughs> no, the rule, the rules, you know, protect them in a lot of ways. Right. So, but when you're playing teams like Boston and in Philly and so on like that, back in those days, so everybody had at least three or four, if not more tough guys back in those days. And it was, and if you got out of line, 
you, you quickly got back in line at the end of the days because somebody was going to get you right well, and, so. the, and the thing was that was the same when i got into pro like it was no different when i did something wrong a couple times in pro it didn't matter how small i was i was getting beat up by the big guys mm-hmm. because that the game policed itself and if you absolutely. did something like that that happened yeah absolutely and so but anyway i mean you know, these guys make huge amounts of money and you know i don't I think it's great for them. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm envious as hell. I wish I could have had that when I played, but I didn't. And I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm, I'm glad guys are making money now. It's, that's the way it should be. Right? Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, I mean, they're it's, it, the best in the world. They should, they're bringing entertainment. They're look at all the people wearing their jerseys and walking around like they do. Right. Well, and you hit the, the perfect word, right? It's entertainment, right? Before it was sports. Now everything in sports is sports entertainment. Right. And right. You're there to entertain. I mean, people are spending three, four, five hundred dollars for a ticket. Right. They want to be entertained. And I don't know. I'm not overly entertained nowadays. I still (laughs) I I still appreciate the talent it takes for them to play um, and so on. I just wish the games are a little more exciting than what they are. I I totally agree. I I 100 percent agree. But hey, back on track now. Sure. Making your hometown Aurora Tigers. That would have been a big day. Yeah. So I was drafted by the Toronto Marlies, right? So uh, the Marlies at that time were probably the best junior team in Canada. And so, um, so I went to their training camp, got cut two years in a row, I think first, first cut or something like that. And I'm going, wow, I'm not going to make it. Uh, so I, I started going to Sanders College, and I don't know if you ever heard of Sanders College. It's one of the private boys' schools, right? Uh, same as Upper Canada College. Um, so anyway, I went there to think, well, I'll go to the college route and see if I can get a scholarship down in the States. And so, um, but what I ended up doing was playing for the school team, but I also played Tier 2 at the same time. And so there was a bunch of times where I would play two games in one day play the school game at say two o'clock in the afternoon and then drive from there to our tier two game that night. Yeah. So I probably played at least three games on a weekend or sometimes even four. I've never heard of those schools though. So that's like one of those prep schools, like in like Notre Dame type thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really old schools. Like they've been around for 150 years. Right. So um, at Ridley college uh, and there's uh, there's three or four other ones in, in Southern Ontario, but um, now St. Andrews college plays their school teams are, are huge and they play teams out of the U S and everything. So they do a lot of travel. So it's, it's, but so the school team, Back when I was, like I said, I was trying to go for a scholarship and I ended up, what happened was one year, I think Kingston, says Kingston Canadians were the, uh, the first OHL team in Kingston, right? And it was kind of cool because they wore the Canadian uniforms and stuff. So, uh, but anyway, they came one Christmas uh, and uh, called and said, listen, would you, are you interested in coming if we make a trade for you? Because we got two or three defensemen that are hurt. And so that was kind of a big decision I had to make because I was going to private boys school. I got a chance to go for scholarship. And do I want to ruin that uh, to go to play in Kingston? Um, and, and how old no, are you? I think I was, I think was I 18 at the time, maybe. You're getting right to that age where it'd be time to get the scholarship too, right? Well, yeah. So 
But back then, uh, as well, too, you got to understand is that uh, the university was not quite still the way to go, right? It wasn't the viable alternative that it is when you were there or it is right now. So still guys at that age still wanted to go OHL. Back in those days, they called it the OHA, but uh, the OHL. So, um, so I said, yes. Now, that was a big risk because there was three defensemen that were hurt. And so you're looking at, okay, when they come back, am I still going to play? So that was a risk I had to take. And I ended up taking it, and it worked out really well for me. So I played uh, about a year and a half there. I and, got that um, down here. Research teams got it here. So you yeah. played a year and a half, and your first year you had a big playoff. So when you got there uh, just after Christmas, you did all right, but then you had a big playoffs, right? Yeah, well, dude, what happened is they put me up on forward, right? So we had, I don't know if you, you know Mike, Mike Crombian? He's from your area. Well, actually, I have that written down. So um, <laughs> Mike Crombian, I have that on my notes here with a little arrow because I didn't know his name was Mike, but when I saw Crombian, I the research team clicks on that and um and his sons bj and ryan i know so You're right for starter bj um he played for idaho who beat me in the east coast finals when i'm playing for dayton right um and then ryan i won the sutherland cup with in elmira he was mm. going to laurier and played on the junior b team with me when we won the the title yeah. it's a small world because scott ended up being a bj's uh, teammate in barry Right. Right. So, no, yeah, and we and, and Scott and I actually talked about that for a second today. But yeah, um, it's very weird, and especially when I started looking around at your age bracket, all the last names I knew. <laughs> it start. I'm starting to put it together. This genetics thing, it might have something to do with it, because <laughs> all the guys your age, I knew all the guys my age. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. So it was funny because uh, Mike was a 50 goal scorer. Right. And, but he had, I, I think he had hurt his knee either the last game or the last week of the season. I can't recall, but he was out for a bit. Uh, so the, the uh, I think the coach had been fired with about three weeks ago in the season and our manager uh, took the uh, team over. So he came to me and said, listen, you, know, you, you move the puck really well. You skate well. Uh, can you, uh, would you mind going up and playing wing? And I go, sure. And I ended up being on the first line. It wasn't like he put me into the third or fourth line. He put me right up on the first line. I go, this is great, right? Top two guys on the team. And I think one of them, I'm trying to remember, it was Tony McKegney on the left-hand side, right? And Tony was a goal scorer and he could skate. And another guy named Brad Reines. And Brad was, uh, I think he was drafting in the NHL, but he was a first rounder in the WHA. And he, he I think he was a 50-goal scorer too. So, you know, I had my hands full. So actually the first game I played up, forward i end up scoring three goals right so i go shit this is easy what's nothing playing nothing like playing wing and getting you know i can score yeah, like this all the goals time your right first game you, so that, yeah you think you're a winger for the rest of your life or what <laughs> well no I, I i kind of figured i would go back i mean that's that's your natural position right so but it was funny because uh you know we'll get into it later but uh, the coach of uh the marley's because that that year we played the marley's in the first round and the coach was george armstrong We'll get back into that probably at some point, but, uh, so anyway, yeah. I don't so know I if played... we will. You usually should just go with it when it happens on this. Okay, a lot so... of times you, you, you don't ever turn back around to this. <laughs> so what happens is, is that, uh, um, um, 
the following year, let me get through the playoffs first. So anyway, I yep. end up playing and we lose. And back in those days, they had eight, eight point series, not uh, four out of seven or anything like that. Right. So we take the Marlies right to the, uh, the final game. Um, and I think it was like an empty net goal in the final game. And it, uh, the winning goal was a phantom goal off the post. So anyway, as it turns out, they win, uh, they go on to win the Memorial cup. And then, um, the following year I get drafted by Toronto. So about, uh, you know, fast forward about 35 years, I'm coaching a tier two team and down in Toronto and who's at the game with George Armstrong. And he pulls me over and he says, uh, he says, Greg, he says, I, re I really want to thank you. Right. And, and I look at, and I kind of a dumbfounded look on my face. I said, George, why would you thank me? He says, well, you made me look good. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I'm the one we were in, uh, in the room, you know, to banter names back and forth about getting drafted. He says, I went to bat for you. He says, nobody else wanted to draft you, but I did. So they gave me, they gave me uh, the opportunity. He says, and, and we drafted you. And so at that point I didn't know. Right. So, but. And you need a guy so, to go to bat for well, you. Well, right? you do. Absolutely. But you know, here, here's a hall of famer uh, thanking me to making him look good. And I'm the one that should be thanking him because he's the one that really made my career. Right. And those are, those are decisions that, you know, you don't see or whatever. Right. So uh, it was a pretty cool time when he said that to me and I, and I still think about it. And when he passed away a year ago, um, I passed that story on to his, uh, his nephew um, and uh, his, his nephew, I don't know if you know, that was uh, Dan McCourty was an official in the NHL for like 20, 25 years. Right. So, um, so yeah, I passed that story on to him and it, it was, it was something that I'll, I'll always remember, right. Just some guy going to bat for you that you never knew until 35 years later. And that, yeah. And sometimes that happens and like, sometimes you don't know what people think of you or whatever until people tell you, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was funny because the WHA was playing at that time too and i never got drafted in wha right and so i go okay well if i'm not getting drafted by this league i'm not getting drafted in the nhl either and for some reason i did and i found out obviously why um but those drafts back in those days were different you didn't go to you know the draft and sit in the seats and wait for your name to be called you just found out like a day later they called you Right, right. So, but the WHA draft had already happened, and they hadn't taken you. And then, yeah, the, exactly. Then this yeah. guy, that's then the NHL draft happens, and this guy steps up and says, "Like, I, I believe in this guy." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, and so, cool. and then three years later, I, I'm playing in the show, and it's, I mean, it's, it, it all kind, of, all the pieces fell together. Like 35 years later, I found out how and why, and so it was pretty cool. No, it is, and uh, it's interesting when I get talking around the different stories you hear and how all the things happened and who's uh like stories relate to who's it, it's sure. very interesting and the messages i've got from starting this like crazy times yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah interesting stuff but um anyways so then you did get drafted after the big playoffs or is it after the year two when did you get drafted? It was after it was after year two because back in those days we had a twenty year old draft, right? We didn't have eighteen year old drafts back then. Oh, it wasn't until yeah. you okay. So it was after right. your juniors, like your junior career is like kind of done, right? Because you went pro as soon as you get drafted. 
Yeah, and that's the way it used to be. And quite frankly, I think the way it should be still, personally. Um, but, you know. Uh, Imagine uh, yeah, how much yeah. better junior hockey would be, right? <laughs> well, and quite frankly, I think there'd be more guys that would actually make it. And I think it would be easier on everybody, even the scouting. Like, I mean, for, for scouts, I mean, how many they're probably like the weathermen. They're only right about 20% of the time, right? And with all due respect, you're looking at a 17-year-old kid and trying to project what he's going to be like at 20 or 21 or 22. And so that is so tough to do. Other than the real stars where you just know, right? They have the it. And But uh, but here, at least back in the days, you saw them for two years. You saw either them progress or they didn't progress. And, and, and so you, you had a bit of an understanding that, you know, whether this guy was going to make it or not. And quite frankly, when I look after the, uh, the names and the draft year that when I got drafted, how many players actually made it, it's, it's unbelievable. But nowadays, you're lucky if, the, you know, maybe the first six obviously will make it. And after that, it's a crapshoot. But, like, you, you're really right. Like, though, though, it's the same, though, at any age. There's kids that stop getting better. There's kids that start improving at a faster rate everybody does it at different ages there's guys that like become men at different ages there's guys that like whatever goes on in whatever personal life but there it's weird because once that it yeah you're right it's like 18 to 20 mm-hmm. there is a big change because the guys that were drafted high my age group once you got to like the end of college the, the guys that like they it just all wasn't the way as the same as our draft year right yeah and I, I like i said i wish they would go back to it i i get why they do it but because you know, there are some players at 18 that comply let's face it right very few but there are a few um but i i would think i would hope that at some point or another they end up going back to that um in some form or another you know what that is i don't know but you know whether it's just the first six players you pick and the rest are you know, or 20 years old or whatever. I don't know how you would go about doing it, but um, yeah, I think it, like I said, is that there were so many players that made it back in those days. Um, and, uh, and you got to remember too, back uh, when I played, I think there was only 20 teams, right. Too. So but you, I think just at 20 years old, you just know more who's actually going to be good. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? It took me three minor league years to finally get there right after that. So um, you know, again, going back to your point a couple of minutes ago, is that guys progress at their own rates. And, you know, I was allowed to progress at my rate because of how the system worked. I'm not so sure that's the same system nowadays. Well, and do you, it's what you've been exposed to, too. Like the kids growing up in smaller towns and the big cities and what you've played and what you mm-hmm. haven't like. It all depends, right? Like how fast you're going to grow when you get to a different challenge or you, what you're up against. Like, the same as you, my third year pro was my best year of hockey before my mm-hmm. knee injury. That was when I was really doing it. And then I got hurt, right. but yeah, right. my, it took me three years to figure out it all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you're, you're, uh, you know, at least I was, I was a 20 year old kid, right. Never, you know, other, you know, I moved into a, you know, a new country, Saginaw, Michigan. I'm sure we'll get into that, right? That was right after my, because I went, I went to training camp, and you know, that's where actually, right? that's where we're at. Um, so basically, you get drafted after your big year two, and uh, you go pro right after. So what do you sign, and you go to set the Saginaw Gears? So, so I went to training camp uh, unsigned uh, in Toronto, 
uh, left there unsigned and kind of figured, okay, well, I'll end up in uh, Dallas because that's where their farm team was. They had a split squad there. Uh, half, uh, half was uh, Chicago and half was Toronto uh, players, right? So I figured, okay, well, that's where I'll end up. Well, guess what? I got cut from there. So next thing you know, I get an invitation to go to Saginaw, Michigan, International Hockey League, right? Kind of slap shotish in, in a lot of ways. A lot of I thought players. the IHL was sim- no. So there's the WHA still or no? Still no. Oh, hold on, cabinet maker. <laughs> Jeez, I wish I could have got a few of those today to help. I you know. Along, sorry, right? I caught you off guard. I that's I, okay. I, I didn't have one booked till Friday, and it was gonna be um a non-alcoholic episode and then i had another one next monday which was the same and i just did one with kids and i just wanted some grown-up talk and to have a couple beers <laughs> so i well, caught you off guard but thank you for being uh, ready to rock when i know when i called <laughs> well maybe uh, we'll have uh, the you know the other two coneheads and myself and you on the three that's of what us i together, would like right? to do next time i gotta have y'all on individually before i can do all three <laughs> the three stooges together yeah exactly yeah yeah so yeah so anyway i ended up going to saginaw michigan and um so I have a pretty good uh, training camp there, right? And so the coach calls me and Don Perry. Now, Don Perry was uh, ended up being in L.A. at one time. And uh, you may not recall because you're a little younger, but he tapped the guy on the shoulder and said, uh, listen, you go and get that guy. And the guy just said, no, I'm not doing it. So there was a big, uh, big problem uh, that he faced because he sent a guy out to get a guy, even though everybody knows it happens. But that used to player, happen all the time, though. Yeah, but the player said no. Right. And that's where the issue came in, said, I'm not going to do it. Right. So anyway, so we so he calls me in the office and he says, listen, he says, uh, um, uh, you know, you've had a really good training camp. He says, uh, but uh, we're only going to offer you six thousand bucks. Right. And here I am, six thousand bucks. And I'm like, okay. so my I think my take home pay every two weeks was like it was like, uh, what was it? Every two weeks I made three hundred and sixty three dollars every two weeks. Right. And so, and I still got the pay stubs here at, at the house. Right. It, it's kind of embarrassing, but you know, you're playing for the you know, love of the game and I had nothing else going on. And so you go and play. And so we had such a great year that year too. We ended up winning so, the championship. Right. So, so basic, did you say you won it? Yeah. We won the Turner cup the first year. Um, play, right? well, so. oh man, I want to get into that right now, but what I wanted to ask was cause like the leagues changed over the years was the IHL and AHL were basically like the same no. level at one point, but back when you're starting, you're saying the IHL is back. Like it's the coast nowadays. Yes. And yeah. Okay. But you yeah, want so, it. winning yeah, so. is cool. Anyways, I played in the coast. So you basically won the coast back then. Yeah, so uh, just to kind of back up further, so there was two leagues, the Central League and the American League, and they were on par, okay? So there was a bunch of teams in the American League that were more, say, uh, East Coast teams, and the Central League was more central. Uh, All the teams were central, right? But they were on par. Same players kind of thing, same talent level, everything. And then there was those the farm teams then? Those were the farm teams. And then... Us in the IHL is what you would say the coast, right? So we we only had 16 players in each team, which is probably the same as what the coast had, right? So um, 
so I think we had nine forwards, five defense, and two goaltenders or something like that. That was a team makeup. And so it was, there was a shitload of ice, right? I mean, I was played to death there. I loved it. And so uh, the first year we won, our, we won the championship and, uh, you know, I played well. And then what happened is the next anything, same- any good stories win the championship? Like, or was it just a cakewalk? No, we, uh, our last two series, we, uh, we ended up um, going uh, seven games in their last two series. Oh no, sorry. The first series was seven games. Then we won in, I think four or five. And then the last game, last series was in seven against the Toledo gold diggers. Right. And now, <laughs> The Toledo Gold Diggers, you got to like this story, right? So we used to go I like in there. like the name. Yeah, we used to go in there on Friday nights. Now, the old Toledo Arena, our dressing room was right beside. Uh, it's the savory. Uh, I would have played at that. Maybe. I don't know. The dressing room was right beside the canteen, right? So people would be lined up to get beer and pop and all that other stuff, right? But we would always play there on 10-cent beer night, right? So, so we get there and by the second period, everybody's shit face, right? Screaming and yelling at you, throwing shit and everything. But to get out of the dressing room, to get to our, uh, our, uh, our bench, you had to go up through the seats and then down through the seats. It's the same rank I played in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it was, t- it was 10 cent beer night. Every time we went in there, it was unbelievable. Right? You imagine going in there with a buck and just getting hammered. Oh, God, I can't believe you played that rig too. So that was that. And so <laughs> that was my first game ever in the coast was in that arena. And I thought, where the hell am I? <laughs> <laughs> but we had a bunch of arenas like that. Port Huron. I mean, that was small. You ever playing Port Huron as well? No, no. Um, but the that... Toledo arena, that was like its last season or one of its last seasons. And then they were, de- they brought in the new arena, but it was, there would be people over the glass with microphones and like right in our ears and they'd be swinging at our fighter. Like, and he's in the middle of a fight. They're like trying to swing at him over the glass and there's people smoking right beside us. Like we're on the bench and they're smoking cigs right beside us. Oh yeah. And they didn't have any, no smoking back in those days. Right. I mean, they're smoking, they're drinking, they're screaming and yelling and you know, but there was brawls going on because back in those days, if the games got two or three goals out of hand, you had you had brawls. Like I think that year we had two or three bench clearing brawls, and we had uh, Port Huron was a, a rink that was probably the size of your dressing rooms, right? And uh, we had I remember my uncle going one night uh, from London, and he showed up. We ended up having two bench clearing brawls in one game, and it was just like it was a free for all. So you have a bench clearing brawl. And then everybody gathers themselves, gets back on the bench, and then you have another one. We had another one. Right? <laughs> so the game's not over when everybody gets up. Oh, the yeah. Bench and fights. Yeah. So we would go into Port Huron, and they, I'll tell you the, the story the next year. We went into Port Huron. They had a really tough team the following year. They had a guy, I don't know if you know, they had a guy like uh, Archie Henderson, who had that year, I think he had 400 and some odd minutes and penalties. Gary Risling, who had, uh, I think he had 400. They had another guy named Brent Trombley. He had 500 minutes in penalties. And there was two other guys that had 300 minutes in penalties. So every time we walked in the arena to go to our dressing room from getting off the bus, all you could hear is guys up there in the speed bag going like this, right? And, and it was just, that's the way it was. And, and so then, like, was it actually like, like, are they just going to fight you? 
Well, not so much me because you know everybody had their tough guy. Like I, you know, I had to fight. So they're still going to fight the tough guy. Yeah, absolutely, right. So yeah, there was there was no getting around it, and, and that that's the way that league was. Every everybody had their, you know, three, four, five tough guys, and you know there w- it wasn't uncommon the guy had hundred and some odd minutes and penalties and having forty five goals. I mean, it was just, and but. You know, it was it was fun at the same time, uh, scary at the same time. But man, I, I would do it all over again. It was it was it was fun. So we had so the next year, uh, I get to training camp again. I got cut from Toronto. Um, still not signed, and so I go to Saginaw, and he gives me a big. How long raise. do they have your rights when they don't sign you, and you're you like a professional I, hockey player? I don't know if it was two or three years. Um, um, but as it turned out, I ended up signing, he said, he brought me in. He said, listen, I wasn't supposed to sign you last year. Cause he says, I only brought you in just because to fill out the roster for training camp. I didn't expect you to make it. And you did. He says, so you had a good year last year. We want it. We're going to give you a $2,000 raise. Right. So I go from six to eight. Wow. Big, big raise, one. right? Big one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. But you know, shit, I'm. 20, 21 years old, who cares, right? I'm still playing hockey or whatever, right? So that year is the year I had 72 points. I was power play, uh, you know, I made the all-star team. So halfway through that year, um, back in those days too, we had to play three games and three nights almost every weekend. It was almost like Friday, Friday Saturday, Sunday. So yep. in, in January of that year, I got called up to Toronto for one game. They played an exhibition game against the Czechoslovakian uh, I don't know, national team or something like, like to that. the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Like, and it was a Monday night game. They had an exhibition game against this, I don't know, Czech national team or Czech uh, club team or something. Right. So I'd already played Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I get a call Monday morning and say, listen, you're going up to Toronto to play the exhibition game tonight. So I got to fly from Saginaw into, into Detroit, into Toronto play that game and then come home the next day. So right then I knew that I was on the radar, right? Because I've been having a good year and all of a sudden now, you know, they, they call me up because they could have called anybody up from wherever, from, from uh, the, the from one the, below the yeah, central league or the yeah, HL, right? which was the Dallas Blackhawks at the time. It was, that's where their farm team was in Dallas. So right then I knew I was on the, I already got to figure it all out now. Okay. Right. Yeah. So research team has the rest. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So I, I knew I was on the, uh, on the uh, radar at that point. Right. But um, how does that game go with your fourth game in four nights? Actually, hey, you're playing on adrenaline, right? I mean, you're just, you're your first time. Are you in Maple Leaf Gardens? Uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. I got the big fro going. I, you know, no helmet. Oh yeah, good walk, gosh! You know, get in, get introduced. You mustache there. too, right? A little duster. Yeah, I, I think I had the porn stash going. Yeah, yeah you so, did. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. Right? So yeah, so I go and play the game, and yeah, I'm I'm playing on adrenaline only. You're just, I mean, I wasn't tired probably till two days later, I mean, even the next day coming off it. Right, I was just high as a kite uh, because everybody at home, growing up in Aurora, was small town, right? It's only you know. 30 miles north of Toronto, everybody saw me. So it was nonstop phone calls and everything else the following day, which is kind of cool. So I knew I was on the radar, but you know, when you're playing in Saginaw, like I said, you know, our schedule was kind of funny because you play every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sometimes it was two games away or two home games or whatever. Right. So, you know, Sunday nights, uh, we never practiced on Mondays. So everybody went out 
you know, all night on Sunday night, right? With and Sunday, was it not Friday, Saturday that usually you try and slip in a Sunday afternoon so that the boys could really get after it? Because I, the East Coast, we had a lot of Sunday afternoons on the third night. We never had any Sunday afternoon games ever, right? Well, I don't those know those ones. You, ever, you didn't yeah. even warm up. You just kind of went out there, looked at each other, and we're like, "Yeah, <laughs> we're really doing this." And then you go back to the room. <laughs> yeah. So we our all our games. I think there were seven o'clock games, right? So we are always done by nine thirty. And, you know, the bars are, were closed at two o'clock. That was new to me because everything in Ontario was closed at one at those days, right? So closed at two. So we go out and there was this little lounge that we would go to called Larry's Lounge. And we would go there and, you know, drink our 45 cent, you know, beers or whatever until two. And then we go to somebody's place until, you know, five or six in the morning. And then we go for breakfast. We go to this one place. It was funny because... I think it was three ninety nine. Used to get a dozen eggs, a pound of bacon, and home fries for three ninety nine. <laughs> and then did you just in, say a dozen eggs? A dozen eggs, a pound of bacon, and home fries for three ninety nine. Right? Not so, cooked. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. So you're, you're how many people are eating this? No, so it would you know there probably three or four of us that would go out because we we were still out right. You're so pooling we, your money together when you're making eight grand a year to get. <laughs> yeah, but three ninety nine. I mean, shit, right? Oh so, yeah. So on the Monday morning, and then what happened? That was right across the street from um, uh, the GM plant. Well, the GM plant used to get out at seven in the morning, so the bars used to open at seven in the morning. Night right? shifts ready to rock. Yeah, so we go over there, and you know we. We'd probably drink till about nine in the morning. We played Queens. I don't know, you ever played Queens before? No. What's that? You ever played Queens? No. Queens? No. Well, you, you sit around the table and yeah, so you get a deck of cards, right? And so you start dealing them around the table. And the first guy that gets a queen, uh, he orders uh, two shots of anything that he wants. The next two queens have to drink them. And the fourth drink uh, queen has to pay for Right. And so you play that for about 20 minutes and some guys just if you if it's a bad day for you, it's tough because you hey, hold on. So it was the first two queens, the first queen. He gets to pick whatever two shots, whatever the wants. drinks are. Yeah. yeah. Right. So if he wants to pick, you know, two shots of the kill or two, whatever, he can pick whatever he wants. Yep. The next two queens have to drink them. And then the following queen, the last queen, the guy has to pay for them. He OK. OK. I got it. So, yeah. So if it's a bad day for you, you're drinking every shot and you're paying for them as well. But the game doesn't last very long because you're only going to be in it for maybe a half an hour, maybe. Yeah. I'm not mad enough to play that game. (laughs) That that was tough. That was tough. Yeah. Yeah. We we had some funny, funny games uh, then, but yeah, that was, uh, but that's the way it used to be back in those days. Right. And then you'd have Monday off. And then you go in on Tuesdays and Tuesdays was just a short, you know, practice just to kind of get a sweat going. And then you practice Wednesday, Thursday, have a, you know, and skate in the morning or Friday and, that, and you did the same thing all over again the following weekend. Right. So, um, and we played, I think 70, 72 games or 80 games that year, whatever it was. 72 and, uh, points in 80 games. Yeah. So, um, yeah. um, so then that season ends, though, and when you get eliminated in the playoffs, you actually get the call up to the Central Hockey League then. 
I did. I went up to Dallas, and so uh, so my so we ended up going into the finals. We we played Fort. Uh, no, what was it? Uh, you only played. I thought you only played like five playoff games that year. Yeah. So we were in the finals at that time, right? And so we played Fort Worth, and Fort Worth was the Islanders farm team. So oh, sorry. So you get put out with um, for Saginaw, and yeah. then when by the time you join Dallas, they're in the finals. During the finals. So I'm figuring I'm just going up to be, you know, the fill in the seventh defenseman, whatever. Right. If Yeah. In case there's well, an injury. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm there to have, you know, to obviously, you know, have a good time, but play some hockey as well. But, you know, if there was a good time involved, we were going to have a good time. But at the end of the day, it was about, you know, see, see how far I could take this. But again, I'm going to be six, seventh defenseman. Well, little did I know I get in there and I'm top four. So they play me top four minutes for the most five games. So we lose, we lose the championship in overtime in the seventh game. And um, so had we won, I would have won two championships in my first two years of pro. And so that was obviously disappointing, but it was kind of cool because right after that game, the uh, Dallas coach called me over and he was a Toronto guy. Uh, he was ended up being their head scout at one time, Jerry McNamara. Uh, he's responsible for bringing Borea Salming over and, and, you know, a couple other guys. And he called me in after the last game. He said, listen, um, do you have an agent? And I said, yeah. He says, uh, um, who is it? And he said, uh, so I told him, he says, uh, we're, we want to sign you. And I said, okay. He says, uh, we'll be in touch. So I went home. Um, probably about a month later, I got a call to go down to Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens and, uh, and sign my contract. What was uh, it like for that month being at home waiting for that call? Uh, it was, I wouldn't, I mean, was it nerve wracking? Yeah, I guess to a point, but I knew it was going to happen, right? Because you're always in touch with your agent. And, you know, he would say, yeah, it's, it's coming. Don't worry about it. You know, everything's agreed upon and everything. And so, you know, well, there's a date coming. There's just, you know, in the summertime, people take holidays and shit like that. Right. So there was, there was other things going on just than other than just my contract. So, um, so I ended up going down and signing. Uh, I think my, I think I, I had uh, a two-way contract. Everybody basically did back in those days, other than the big stars. Um, so I had an American league deal, I think for, 13 or 15,000 and my, my uh, NHL contract was 45 or something like that, maybe 50. And so I thought that was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, so that's how I ended up signing. I had to have that one good year. This my second year, uh, in order for me to get signed. Well, I can, that, well, it was then the playoffs, right? Going to Dallas then and playing there, right? That's yeah. what got it. Yeah. And you know, I'm playing top four minutes too. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Next season, then you got your deal, so you play for the New Brunswick Hawks. What town is that in? That's Moncton. Moncton, New Brunswick. You ever played in Moncton? Great, no. great town, right? But you, but you. It's I haven't played in Canada now, very right? much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you went basically what the university. I haven't played in overseas. Canada since I was seventeen, <laughs> and then I played for the Ripley Wolves for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So we, uh, again, uh, they moved the uh, farm team from Dallas, um, to Moncton. And so it was still half Chicago and half Toronto. Um, and the coach this time was Eddie Johnson, uh, EJ. And so, 
Um, and he was a Chicago guy. Uh, so anyway, I ended up playing down there. Um, have a little bit of a rough start. Um, and then he sat me out a couple of games, probably about 15 or 20 games in. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you, you know, your head's uh, spinning like crazy because, you know, am I going to end up being back where I was last year or what? So anyway, I kind of got my act together. Um, Eddie Johnson was probably overall my best coach that I ever had as far as helping me out on the so defense. So when you say you got your act together, did you just start playing better? What changed? Yeah, what I think, I think, you know, I think sometimes um, it just took me, let's put it this way. It just took me a while to get my feet wet. Right. Be a, you're, no, uh, the aisle was always the same. I was always like, until I felt comfortable, I, I like, I wouldn't really thrive, but as soon as I felt comfortable, then I, I was fine. Yeah. And I think that, and that's what it was with me. Right. And I guess I was still in a little bit of awe, right. Here I am in American League. Am I good enough? Right. And so after the, you know, the initial 15 or 20 games um, and sitting out and I'm going, you know, I got to get my act together. I'm good enough to play here. And uh, he put me back in and, and I, I had a great, you know, last four months. It was, it was really good. So it was, uh, but Eddie Johnson, like I said, was my best coach that I had as far as defense goes, because he was an old NHL goaltender, right? So he could, he knew the little finer points of playing defense and positioning and stuff like that. What so he wanted as a goalie. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. So he was really good. And we had, we had, uh, we had some pretty good uh, players down there that ended up moving up. Um, and one of them was Daryl Sutter as well. And yeah, he, he, yeah. I got to bring this up this season. Sure. The research team was hot today. <laughs> this is on one team in your first season in the AHL here. Sure. <clears throat> one team, Bruce Boudreau, Ron Wilson, Joel Quinville, and Daryl Sutter. Yeah. So yeah. those are four coaches that are like, what? I guess, I, I don't know if Ron Wilson you'd say is a legend, but the other three sure have coached <clears throat> a lot. Well, Ron Wilson, he was a pretty good coach. Like he, yeah, he yeah. Had well, he was a coach of, of the Leafs, right? It, right? But he's, like, well, and he coached uh, San Jose for quite a while. Like his numbers are pretty good when you that, go back. And into all it, four right? of those so, are on your team. All four of those yeah, guys. Yeah. So Gabby and Boudreaux was probably uh, between him and Mark Curtin were my two best friends playing in the, in the minors. Gabby. Right? Yeah. He. Him Why and is I, his name Gabby? Do you know? Because he talks nonstop. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And, he, and his other nickname was, uh, was uh, Dirtbag, too. Because <laughs> he, 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 you remember the, uh, the old guy, the, what was a kid and, and Charlie Brown? You know, the kid walking around with dust all the time, all over him? I, don't, I, I he, hardly he, remember no, Charlie I, Brown. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was uh, like, Gabby was like an unmade bed, no matter what he wore, right? And he had stains all over his clothes and stuff. And But he was still one of my best friends and, you know, st still communicate to this day. Um, and he was a hockey guy through and through. So I knew he was going to be a good coach at some point. And so, and he was, he was at one time uh, the top player in Canada, junior. And the unfortunate Gabby part was? is, just, yeah, it just never panned out as far as his playing career goes in, in NHL. See, when uh, I see him behind the bench, I just, it hit the whole physique doesn't scream hockey player. Navigating no. lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should get this out. I can do this uh, because of Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, right? Oh, there you go. Have a Pepsi. Yeah. yeah, yeah you should have I had a Coke really upset him. 
Yeah, I wouldn't do that to him. Yeah, so, so Gabby, uh, and Gabby and I lived together probably two or three times, right, through our careers. And um, so, yeah, we were pretty close and a uh, uh, great guy. And so, so yeah, so Quinville, I played with him in Toronto as well. Uh, him and I and Laurie Boschman were the three rookies in Toronto that following year. But getting back to Moncton, we had a, we had a really good team. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up having a good year that year, too, at the end of the, you know, as far as points goes and, and so on, right? I think I had like 50 points or something, 55 points or whatever it was. So, and I had heard rumblings halfway through that year that I was, you know, there was. You're even really on the trauma. radar. Yeah. I had, you know, you, you hear stuff through, you know, certain people, trainers and stuff like that. Listen, that you're right, though. Late, you're right. right. I, I remember hearing stuff like that. I remember hearing it in Denmark that they, they literally told us around December, they're like, um, a lot of these imports are going to be getting changed for next year because they want to get bigger and tougher or something and not so little and skilled. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, great. <laughs> nice to <Yeah>. hear. <laughs> but no, you do hear those things. I, I had heard when I went to Syracuse and I had a great preseason, they're like, they're telling you to get an apartment tomorrow. And mm. then that next day something changed and they never did tell me to get the apartment, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you do hear those things. So sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, and I knew I had a pretty good, uh, a playoff and then we got beat out. And so I got called up to Toronto, right? Cause what happens after the year, you know, the farm team gets beat out, right? And you get, so what they, you got called up like the year three, you're, third year pro there when you're in your first yeah. year in the AHL yeah so for the playoffs you're like I, a black ace yeah exactly right so what happened was is uh that was the year I think it was 78 and Toronto was playing Montreal in the semifinals because they had just beaten out the Islanders in the seventh game right so anyway after the final game uh we play I I the coach comes in and says listen uh uh you know you're you're one of the guys you're getting called up Toronto wants you to get there I said okay so I'm driving back but there's already been three games played in the series right so I'm driving back and it's the night of the fourth game so I'm driving through Quebec and then I'm driving through uh, uh Ontario and I finally get the game on the radio and so I'm listening to the game all the way home from Kingston basically all the way to uh, Aurora at the time and I uh, think you know, next thing you know that game Toronto ends up losing so I never ended up going to practice or getting you know, into a game or anything that year so uh, yeah so at the end of the at the end of the day I knew it was I had a pretty good chance right because the following uh, I ended up making it the following year but I just knew that I was right there so you're you're around the team though like every year you're going to training camps every year right yeah but back in those days, I wasn't in good enough shape and I wasn't quite good enough to play. I mean, you realize it after the fact, right? I wasn't just in good enough physical shape to, and I yeah. didn't know what it took, right? I wasn't, yeah, I, was, I wasn't what you would call a good professional because I didn't know what it took yeah. to be a professional, yeah. right? Oh, so, yeah. Which included off season and everything yeah. else, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I quickly uh, learned, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, that that third it took it took me three years to figure that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, there was a lot of burgers and a lot of beers going down those two summers, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I might so, understand. 
<laughs> hey, you got to enjoy yourself too, right? Well, I'd like also when you get sent to the coast, you're kind of like, well, mm. may as well start like just trying to enjoy hockey again, right? Like, mm. you know, like, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, nope. you know, the one thing I forgot to tell you, did you, I don't know, were you ever uh, hazed at all back in uh, when you played? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I should t- tell you my, uh, my Saginaw hazing story. Well, I, right. I mean, all I don't want is like, you know, people to get in trouble nowadays because of things that we used to do because it was the way it was. And like, that's all my thing is, is because like when I was in junior B, yeah, maybe like things were pretty aggressive, but like we all laugh about it now. Right. Yeah. Well, mine was really aggressive. Okay. And yeah. So not there's some not bad the, ones out there. there yeah. Really well, is. this, this, this one is so. You know, I was a pretty quiet player back in those days too. Like, you know, the, this is Saginaw. This is Saginaw, right? Your first year, and you know, we're 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 humming along pretty good. And I'm a pretty quiet guy, but you know, you're still part of the team. And so, you know, they used to have a song all the time, right? Uh, that the guys used to kind of sing. If you know, if you're getting a little mouthy and after practice in the dressing room, they'd all of a sudden the music would start or the song would start, right? That they're going to threaten to shave you. That was back those days right so anyway one day they they got Jesus. me shave you? well it wasn't just shave right so one so one day they got me so they, they wheel out the uh the trainer's table right and so they they get me on a uh, on the trainer's table and uh they pin you down so there's like you know 15 guys to one so you can fight all you want but you're not going anywhere so, you know, you, you get on the trainer's table and they put your arms straight out like this, right behind your head. And they get a hockey stick stick, and they tape your hands to the stick. So you're not moving. You can't move. And they do the same to your legs, right? So, and then they get the skate lace and they put it up over the pipe over top and they put it into a noose and they tie it to your dick, right? So if you're going to get mouthy, right, they're going to pull on it, right? So... So, and then next thing they do, they get a hockey sock and they put it over your face, right? So you can't see who's doing what. You can hear everybody, but they're just putting it over your face, right? Not your nose, so you can still breathe and everything. So next thing, you know, first thing they did is they got basically a, a whole jar of Vaseline. They put the whole jar in my hair, right? And then they put about half a uh, container of uh, baby powder on top of the Vaseline, right? So my hair is just stuck like that, right? So then they get, back in those days, they didn't have, everything was straight razor back in those days, right? So they got the razor and they they used to put it up and down the uh, cement wall, right? The dullet, right? And then what they did is they would shave your chest right shave your chest and they would cut you because the thing's duller and shit right and then they would get the rubbing alcohol and pour rubbing alcohol on it uh, on the cuts right and then they did the same to your nuts they would shave your nuts so they shaved my nuts this is while you had a sock over your eyes yeah and your arms are straight out your legs are straight out and you have you can't move you can't do anything right this is just after a practice at the rink this is after a practice, right? Like a straight so, up regular practice. And then they do that shit. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, so they, so they, so they did the same with my nuts too, right? They shaved me and, and everything else. And they would cut me because of the 
the razor blades were too dull, so they would cut you, right? So again, they dropped the, uh, they dropped the, is this LPG here? Or do you want me to keep going? No, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> no, keep going. Okay. So anyway, so you're sitting there and your nuts are shaved and they're bleeding and everything because of the dullness and they poured rubbing alcohol on on, on your nuts. nuts when they're you're, bleeding oh my yeah. god it may yeah so next thing you know is, and these are your teammates that you're supposed yeah. to go out and play oh, hockey yeah. with the next game yeah yeah and then they and then they poured uh and then they got the hot stuff and they put that up around your ass right and so you're sitting there and then they shaved your legs with the, with the same razor right cutting you and then putting on rubbing alcohol and and then uh, they got uh, magic marker and start putting magic marker all over your fingernails and shit like that, right? So and then what they do is they all shower up and everything, and you're laying there probably for 45 minutes to an hour while everybody showers up and leaves. And then the trainer comes eventually, cuts you down, and then you get up and you go in the shower and you try to get every all the shit off. Now all of a sudden, now you're part of the team, right? So it's like getting I, into a gang. Almost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, any of the hazing they have now is nothing compared to the shit that I went through. Right. But well, that's not even what I was, what I went through was not even bad. It was like, um, we, they were completely fine. It was all fun and games. Like that was, that's nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, but back in, those but then days, like, it, yeah, that's, it's a different, and it's weird when I start talking to different eras and like, kids that play now and kids that like and then older guys like you and then my age and like then a little bit younger than me like um like andrew and scott or even like 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 when i first got to pro it was a lot more like what you're talking about not the hazing but like the actual hockey part of it but right that yeah. hazing needed to go and thank goodness it all got stopped when it did because absolutely it was it was scary i remember hearing stories of like when i was getting into junior of other teams and like the stories of the bus of like going into the the, the bathroom um and whatever it was like they tape all your clothes together and whatever and every rookie on the team was in there trying to fit you couldn't come out till all your clothes were on and you're all in there naked or whatever that was one of the ones I had heard was like a thing right before I was getting into junior and you're like a 15 year old kid and you're just getting into high school and you're just trying to figure shit out. And then all of a sudden you're hearing like, this is going to happen to you. And you're like, what? Yeah. Right. But you know, back and then, but, but you, you lived know, that through that, like, and then you had to show up to practice the next day. Like, yeah, and and everybody, then, like everybody's laughing and joking and you get through it and you move on and you're, you're, part of the team now you're considered a vet right so but then what happens uh, like when they ask you to do that to someone else like once you i, ne I never yeah i never participated like that you know if we ever did anything to anybody in the future i might have cut maybe a half an inch off his hair or something but that was it because i knew what i went through i would never put anybody else through the shit that i went through right but um, then when so, it's the gang mentality and like everybody's doing it and you're like yeah. oh you got to be a part of it right yeah 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 so it was uh yeah that was that was interesting without question but uh yeah so um yeah so i ended up uh, in toronto i think the only thing they did there was just cut the front of my hair i think off and my mustache off and that was it 
man so, mustache yeah. off with that hairdo like yeah gosh yeah yeah you, so you it was yeah so where are we here we're in uh so you, we're just so you in, finally get uh you're on the leafs right yeah you, yep but that all happened with saginaw that all happened with saginaw yeah 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 that was uh that was my first year yeah that was my uh, how was far fun. into it probably three months into the season probably yeah i think it was three months maybe just after christmas i can't recall yeah no it's that's brutal okay well anyways back to positive stuff right yeah sure. here we go so we're about to go to the nhl right because we just yep. went to year four um which in pro and that is with new brunswick and you've gone from um the saginaw gears and that bullshit to uh <laughs> being a second all-star working your way up to the AHL. Um, and then you're like, so how do you end up figuring out you're making the Leafs the next year? Cause you play 46 games. Did you make it out of camp? I made it out of camp and um, I basically knew going into camp. And the reason I knew is because of my sweater number at training camp. Really? It's kind of fun. It's kind of funny, right? Back in those days, you'd invite about, 50 guys right and if you had a lower number then you had a pretty good chance of making it right and so i mean if you had number 52 out of 55 you're, you're, guys that's a training camp number yeah 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 you're you're shit out of luck right so i came in and i was number four plus i had just signed that summer right so I, I had a pretty good you know or the summer before but i had a pretty good idea of being called up at the end of the year even though you know they got beat out in the fourth game and then I show up on number four. Um, I knew, you know, I had a pretty good chance. And then I had a really good training camp as well. When the call up send downs didn't happen like they do nowadays, right? Like the season before when you're you're doing well in the AHL and then you finally yep. get the call up at the end of the season. Like if they probably could have called you up and sent you down like they do nowadays, you probably would have had that the year before, right? Yeah, it's possible. But, you know, there's they still had some guys ahead of me that they kind of I don't know if they wanted them but they kind of figured out that they they were there before me that you know that's how it kind of worked in the in the past too right these guys have been there before I get the first chance and then eventually you know if you keep knocking at the door it's going to be your turn and that's what ended up happening to me so there was just a few guys ahead of me and then so are they I, playing the same role as you though because I yeah, like I, yeah. I, yeah yeah pretty much but you know my first year in the American League, when I got, I, I'm pretty sure I got like 50 some odd points. I and mean, that was pretty good, right? So I was playing power play, I was killing penalties and, and so on. So, I mean, you know, I was playing a, a, a big role on the team. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and again, my coach ended up, you know, doing the best thing for me, which was sitting me out to, to make me kind of wake up a bit. And, then, uh, you know, I went from there. So, I mean, there's two ways of going. You, I either could have just said, screw this and I'm out or, I got to get my act together. Right. And I chose the, the latter. So, so when you do make the NHL out of camp, mm. some of the guys I wrote down, cause these are people I heard about, right. Like when I'm growing sure. up as a kid is Daryl Sittler, yeah. Bjorg Salming and Tiger Williams are all on that team. Yeah. Mike Palmatier, Ian yeah. Turnbull. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Dan Maloney. So what's that like playing your first game, like for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the start of that season, then you, know, you make it out of camp and like, you're, you're, you're a Toronto Maple Leaf. 
it was probably the coolest thing that's ever happened in my prep professional hockey career right because yeah. it's like well because you grow up north of toronto you watch them on tv um and now you're on the same ice and so you walk out in the old maple leaf gardens and we were our dressing room was behind our bench right so you had to go down through the kind of the hallway to our and back in those days i never realized it so much other than when i first started playing those games is there's there's uh, tv lights that come on and it's bright as hell and you don't really realize it right but when you practice there those lights aren't on it's dark as shit and then you get out and all of a sudden you come underneath here and you can look up and all of a sudden you see basically sixteen thousand people and it is the biggest rush you could ever feel right and you know you had our family was in the seats watching and everything else. And the first game I, I played regular season was against the Rangers and Phil Esposito was playing for them. And it's just such a rush. I mean, just, you know, to play basically for the team that you grew up liking, right? And that's, it's not like, you know, all of a sudden I was gonna play for the Atlanta Flames, right? Which still would have been cool, but certainly not like this, where you're coming out to 16,000 people. Um, and so that was the biggest rusher I had in hockey, I think. Really? Well, I yeah. can't. I literally. So this is how I can relate somewhat, not even really at all. But um, like you getting to do that the year I'm out of college, I've gone to Syracuse with Columbus. They've guaranteed me an AHL deal. They decide they don't really like me. Well, that summer I'm at my cottage right here in Concordia. The Toronto Maple Leafs call my agent and say, we want to see him tomorrow morning, fitness test interviews, want to sign him. And I'm like, oh my God, I am signing with my favorite team of my whole life. Like if this goes well and I leave here, stay at my parents, I go to Toronto, the fitness test goes well. Like I was actually like in really good shape. I dropped like 20. I would like, actually had like abdominal muscles hadn't seen them before in my life i was doing well so i go Makes there sense. i have the interview everything goes good and i leave there thinking like holy shit that just went really good i'm gonna sign with them and my agent tells me the same thing and then it just keeps dragging on dragging on and then the team i had loved my whole life like it comes down to deadline day i gotta either sign with syracuse or not and they're like, well, we want to wait longer. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I was so excited for, like, weeks. And I'm like, it took me, I don't know if I'm over it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you actually got to play for them. Yeah. And that's the coolest thing, right? So I played 46 games that year. And what ended up happening is, is Punch Imlock came in that same summer, right? Now, Punch Imlock was an old school type of manager, right? Any, so... <laughs> If we wanted to talk to him at for any any uh, time, and I had to one time, right? I had to go up and I had to talk to him about renting an apartment. I had to get his okay, and because back in those days, if you get an apartment, you had to have your employer sign. Not everybody, but this particular place that, that I was moving into had to have signature from your employer. So I had to go upstairs and talk to him. Well, you had to go up in a suit and tie, right? So you're there at a regular practice, and you're in in a suit and tie, right? So they had fired Jim Gregory that that summer. Jim Gregory was loved by all the players. He was a he was a um, a players general manager. Just really nice guy. Um, did everything for you. Um, kind of 
I wouldn't say one of the guys, but he was close enough, right? Yeah. But Punch came in and he was the total opposite. Just everything my way. And so he ended up uh, he ended up doing a, a bunch of not so nice things to some of our guys. And that year with Daryl Silver, he was the captain of the team, right? And he had come off but a couple of years previous to that, having a 10-point game. Like he was, he was the player of the Toronto Maple Place. He was the identity. And so so he ended up screwing up Daryl, right? He, he would say, the, uh, back in those days, there was a thing back uh, called Showdown, and it was filmed in the summertime. So certain players from teams would go to this arena, and they have, you know, a skill competition. And uh, what would happen is uh, the TV would show it in between periods, right? Kind of a season-long thing. So uh, he said to Sittler and Mike Palmatier at the time as well, we're not going to allow you to play in this, right? Which, you know, you, you just don't do that. And then he came in and said, okay, we're going to take the ping pong table out of the room. Right. Yeah. And then, and then it's it fun was, away from hockey, everything. Right. So one, oh, don't get me started on that shit. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to you and Andrew talk about the Germany. Uh, what was that guy's name again? Uh, oh, Brittig. Brittig. Muff. Yeah. God, yeah. Gosh. I remember Andrew telling me a story about time about him. He says uh, he wouldn't let the defenseman take slap shots from the point. Everything had to be a wrist shot. No, like, a, like actually. And then if you actually took a slap shot, like yeah. you literally wouldn't play like for like, you'd be done. Yeah. It was a, just a control thing. And it was, it's, yeah. it was, it was nuts. I'm surprised Andrew lasted as long as he did there, even though he didn't last long, but Anyway, getting back to the point is, is that yeah. uh, uh, so uh, Daryl ended up uh, resigning his captaincy because of all the shit going on, right? And then they That's ended up never fun. And then he ended up getting traded that year at Christmas time. Joel Quenville, Lanny McDonald got traded to uh, Colorado, and that was the beginning of the end, probably for I would say almost fifteen years. It was mismanaged from there right into early 90s when Cliff Fletcher finally came in and did uh, a really good job of bringing, I think they ended up going to the semifinals for two years in a row. I remember that. But they yeah, went through some I'm tough, young. they went through some tough, tough times, mainly because of what they did. Well, you take uh, a guy out that all the players loved and he would do everything for the players and like you got a ping pong table and you're having fun playing hockey and you got Daryl Sittler being Daryl Sittler. And then next thing you know, it's about you and it's about that. Um, yeah. And there's just, you know, a lot of small little things, right. That, you know, you would think, take it for granted that it's easy. You should be able to do it and you couldn't do it. You know, well, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And it was just, and then, then when he traded Landon McDonald for no apparent reason other than he was Daryl's uh, best friend on the team, right? <laughs> Sounds like some European stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. And and it's just like, like, you know, I never thought shit like that would take place over, right? So that was my first on the year. Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And you're you're growing up loving the Leafs, thinking everything is perfect, everything works normal, everything is the way it should be in hockey, and then you get there and you're like. This ain't normal. Exactly. You know, you're playing with your basically your boyhood idols. I mean, I was still in my teens when some of these guys were playing, right? So, you know, Ron Ellis was there, and Ron Ellis is, you know, he's a pretty much a Maple Leaf legend. And so I'm playing with these guys, and and I'm going, okay, this is this shit's going on my first year, right? So then all of a sudden, 
about 40 games into it. Um, I, I'm playing pretty well. I'm getting a fair bit of ice time, but I wasn't a real physical player. And he, Punch him lock like physical player, especially defenseman. I was a puck moving defenseman, right? So, um, so all of a sudden he decides he's going to bring in Carl Brewer. Carl Brewer was probably 45 years old at the time. And uh, Carl was not well liked by the guys. And I got to know Carl. He was a really good guy. He was just put in a tough position. And he should have never been put in that position by uh, Punch him off. And then he started bringing in a couple other guys. And so, um, so they sent me down after 45 games. And so I spent the, the rest of that year in the American League. I might have got called up here or there, but I spent the rest of that year in American League. And um, I think that year, too, we ended up going to the Calder Cup Finals as well. Um, it's interesting how many finals you went to and how close you – like, and, and, yeah. Yeah, so that – so – and then the next year, basically um, – I get sent down again right out of training camp. I, so I got that here. Um, so you had a big AHL playoff and almost win, right? Is what yeah. I got. So yeah. what's the finals there? So we play the Hershey Bears, and we're probably we should have won that series. I think we lost in six. And um, but again, you never you forget know. that shit, do you, cabinet maker? You <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you never do, right? I mean, it's, you know, here it was in my first three years of pro or four years of pro, I've been in three finals, I just, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my first two years of pro, I lost in the finals both years. And then Germany wonders why and beating Heim, I, I really let my hair down the third year. Well, it's because I lost the first two years in the finals, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I thought, I thought, holy shit, this is a way, this is, you know, it's going to happen every year. Obviously it doesn't happen every year. Right. So sure doesn't, but yeah. So yeah. So the, the following year, I just didn't make the team out of training camp. You didn't right. play as good. And you had a good summer back home or no, what happened? it was just, no, they brought in, they brought in some other defensemen and um, as soon and, as they and, sign a bigger new guy, like a free agent, right. Then it just puts you right down the. Yeah. So, and you know, you're good enough to play. Right. I mean, I, I played there for 45 games. I knew I but was. But they want to tell, the, like, and then they just see some guy that could, whatever they pay them and then they bring them in. And then that's the new guy running. Let me guess here. You're, oh, the power plays used to be different back in the day. Yeah. There wasn't an umbrella. So you're probably just, uh, you're right shot. So you're uh, just running the right side D spot. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. On yeah. the power so we, play, though. But we started when I was in the American League that year. We started uh, where defense would come in the middle. We, so we started that umbrella. That, that oh, you year. started walking the middle yeah. then? Yeah, yeah. So so what I did make it out of training camp, so I'm pissed off. And what happens through the year, I get called up, I don't know, three or four times, right? And uh, I know I'm good enough to make And you're dominating I know I'm good enough to play. Yeah, and I'm playing well down there. And so um, so it was funny that year. So anyway, I end up playing a full year in Moncton. So what happens, this is funny. So I have a, a couple of buddies of mine that were, one guy was playing in Detroit, Mark Curtin. And there was a guy playing in Boston, Keith Crowder. Now Keith Crowder is down, you know, relatively close to you guys. He's down in Essex, but 
he uh, he played in Boston for a bunch of years, right? So we used to travel to Florida after the seasons together and have our after year hockey trips like you guys did over there you guys went down to france or germany or whatever you did skiing right so yeah the three of us went to florida so anyway we're in the playoffs in the american league and i think we're in the second i can't remember if we're in the second round and so uh, mark calls me one night the week before he says listen you gotta are you gonna come i said listen mark we're in the playoffs and i'm not leaving the team there's no way i'm i'm doing that and he, so he goes okay well so next thing you know we play on a Tuesday night in, in Portland, Maine. And he calls me and says, listen, uh, I still got this ticket for this cruise and I want you, you to come with crowds and I down, you know, to Fort Lauderdale. I said, Kurtz, I'm still playing. I can't, I'm not going to leave the team. So the next night we're, we're playing in Portland, Maine. I hurt my knee. Right. So we get back uh, the next day and the team says, listen, you got to fly to Toronto because the team doctors want to take a look at it. So I fly to Toronto and I'm, I'm rooming with Gabby Brudrow at this time. Right. And I think we've, I think we ordered pizza like 30 nights in a row. Like neither one of us cooked at the time. Right. We had pizza boxes as tall as you were. Right. That's how, <laughs> how many pizzas we had. Right. So anyway, I, I, guy, I go to Toronto and they say, listen, uh, you're done for the year. You go, really? He goes, yeah, you partially tore your ligament in your knee, so you're done. So I fly back to Moncton, and that, now what happens is You Mark, hit the cruise, didn't you? So what happened? I go back to Moncton, and that day, Mark calls me again, like three days later. He says, I heard you just got hurt. I go, yeah. He says, come on down on the cruise, right? Team's still in the playoffs, and I go, oh, I can't. And then I thought, you know what? You guys screwed me this year, right? I should have been on that Maple Leaf team. I was in the... You know, I got called up three or four times, played well enough to stay. You know what? Screw this. So Gabby's my roommate. So this was on a Thursday. I flew back Thursday night again to Toronto, got to Aurora. I booked a flight. The following, the next day on Friday, I flew down to Fort Lauderdale. On Saturday morning, we got on a cruise for a week and I left the team. So Doug Carpenter was the coach. And, uh, he says, uh, he says to Gabby, he says, uh, where's Hawk? He goes, uh, 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 he's in Florida. He goes, what? He goes, yeah, he, he flew to Florida. And I left the team. I said, fuck it. I'm just, I'm sick and tired of getting run around. I'm good enough to play in this, on this team. And so I And you're it. done for the year anyways. I was done, but you know, you just don't do that, right? Yeah, but, no, you don't. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I, I was just sick and tired of it. You're, right? letting, to, to you're letting them know. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted out. If you're not going to use me, I want out. Right. So anyway, I ended up going to uh, Florida. We got on a cruise ship and we went around the Caribbean for a week to 10 days and came home, got my car and did, uh, and drove back. So it was uh, it was all good. And you guys had a good time. But then the next season you show up, you're still on one more year with the Leafs. Right. And uh, you get three games in with them. But most of the time is. Uh, Cincinnati Cincinnati Tigers of yeah, the Central so, Hockey so, League. So that's the Central. Again, it goes back to my point earlier, right? We're in the American that's League. The, yeah. It, and yeah I, that, it, is that the old Cincinnati Arena I would play in, which was a nice one? Yeah. Yeah. We had that would great, be brand new back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I think, well, the WHA, the Cincinnati Stingers had that dress, or had that uh, rank, right? It was 16,000 people or whatever. We would never get that amount, but 
we had the nicest dressing room we had ever had. I mean, back in those days, it was, I mean, this dressing room was so yeah. good. And um, yeah, so uh, we ended up uh, playing, we would travel everywhere by, by, uh, by uh, uh, airplane as well, right? Because, you know, we go to Nashville, we go to Dallas, we go to Fort Worth, Salt Lake City and shit like that, right? That's and your, so, that's your your loop yeah Dope. indianapolis yeah i mean it was great great cities uh and everything else and so um and i had a really good year that year and uh, i remember this one time we went to uh, salt lake city we were there for six days basically uh, i shouldn't say six days so we went to uh, fort fort worth on a friday played there friday saturday uh spent the day there sunday flew out sunday night to salt lake city uh spent two days there doing basically nothing but snowmobiling and skiing and then we played wednesday took thursday off played friday in salt lake city so they were almost six days and holy shit man your brain you're yeah. 65 yeah you just put all that together from back then that oh yeah oh yeah really Cause, yeah because one of our guys uh almost got uh robbed that uh, you got robbed at gun point it's some of these things you just remember right right the big moments happen you remember but i don't remember like yeah. a wednesday or a tuesday but yeah yeah i yeah robbed so, at gunpoint you got robbed at gunpoint right but you know gabby and i were teammates again and we went up to park city and we were snowmobiling up there and i think he totaled a snowmobile up there it was funny as hell right so <laughs> it was just i look back at all the snowmobiles just going head over heels just like this right <laughs> you, you go back and see them and now they the, the ski underneath the snowmobiles all it's like crunched and it's all in bent in half and everything else we had we laughed so much it was so funny and um yeah so we spent five or six days and and but that was the way those road trips were right you just went to these cities and it was great but i, you I got played. to really experience them because you actually stayed there for a few days right like now yeah. they just go in they stop they play a game and they're out of there right yeah absolutely yeah so i had a really good year that year too i think i played i don't know 40 50 games and I had like 46 points or something like that. Oh, I, I got it written 10. down here. Yeah. 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 You were right up there. So then you get traded though. Like, so you find the Leafs, obviously you let them know you wanted out. They send you down there. You finally get traded for somebody. what did you get traded for? Yeah. So how that happened was I think I had got called up uh, to the Leafs a couple of times that year as well. And so all of a sudden I kept, I started hearing that I was going to get traded right because you're doing too good for the yeah so you know i'm power play and i'm you know top 10 in scoring as a defenseman and top top score defenseman in the league and so there was an all-star game back in salt lake city right so i go to salt lake city with gabby boudreau uh you know we seem to be like twins right everywhere we go we're we're together so anyway we go to the all-star game and uh um floyd smith who was the coach or uh, I guess he was a general manager or scout or something in Toronto at the time. He was at the all-star game and he pulls me over. He says, uh, yeah, we're going to trade you by end of tonight. And he said, oh yeah, okay. Well, it never happened, right? So I play the game and we go out that night. We have a really great time. Salt Lake City is a great city, right? I mean, so, and, you know, you have but, uh, about 35, 40 guys flying in from various other teams and you're having a good time. You're meeting everybody and, you know, you, you're having a few pops after. And so uh, we fly home the next day and um, 
we fly into St. Louis from Salt Lake City to get uh, another flight and it's a snowstorm. So we're stuck in St. Louis for a few hours. Back in those days, you didn't have cell phones, right? So nobody knew what was going on. So Gabby calls his wife in Cincinnati and she says, uh, is Greg there with you? She, he goes, yeah. And she goes, uh, he's been traded. And I go, I never knew, nobody told me. I couldn't, no, there was no, my agent couldn't tell me because we're on the road. We're, we're flying back from this road trip or this all-star game. And uh, so I ended up, uh, we got home that night. I had to call and I ended up getting traded to Pittsburgh that night. I think it was February 2nd of, of 1982, as a matter of fact. I still remember that date. You would remember that day. I would remember that day too. I don't know if I'd remember the date, but I'd like getting traded. Like, yeah, like your your whole life you've wanted to be a toronto maple leaf you've worked your whole life to do that and yeah. you you were one and you were good enough to be one and then you get traded but then it looks like you get into a good position there because then you start playing eh yeah i do and and that's all i ever wanted was a chance and i didn't care where after, and that's what know. players want right like yeah just give me a chance want. yeah right? yeah and so and again, the best thing was I was going back to my old coach, Eddie Johnson, who I had in Moncton. So I played well for him. He coached me. So it was an easy transition for me. But it just goes to show you, you just never know in hockey who you're going to meet up with a year, two or three years down the road. Right. So mind your P's and Q's, uh, play well, uh, be coachable and you never know what will happen. Right. And who's going to pick you up. And so uh, that ended up happening. I went there and uh, I had a pretty good, I think I was there for, I don't know, 20 or 25 games or something that year, plus playoffs. 25 games played 10 points and you, but you're playing five NHL playoff games. Like you'd never played in the playoffs before that. No, not in the NHL. Not like that's a different animal, right? Like, well, in, in the, those, I guess those five it's games, different nowadays, right? Like the NHL is such a different thing. Like there used to be a WHA, and yeah, yeah. But see, that was that was a five game series. We never played in the first rounds. They were always five game series, right? So, and back then too, you played two games and two nights, and then you took a day off and played two again. It's not like now where they play every second night, right? So you're playing four games in five nights. That's tough. Oh yeah. And so you ended up playing five games and seven nights. And so that was, that was really tough, but I ended up, uh, I think I had four or five points or something, whatever it was in that series. And I started out not playing a lot. And then the last three games, I think we went with four defensemen and that was it. And one of them was an overtime game and, you know, playing at a, a, a playoff level with four defensemen, in the NHL, I, I was. I think I must have lost ten pounds easy in in a week. Like I would probably lose, you know, four or five in a game, and then you you know you gain some back, as you know, right? But I played oh, so I much. Don't know. It was, I actually gained weight playing <laughs> hockey. Yeah, a bit of a butterball, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'd always think I that I had worked so hard, I needed to eat a lot after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was. Um, uh, but yeah, I played, I played really well at, and uh, I do have some, some video of those games that I watch on YouTube. And it's uh, that one of the games was probably the best game I ever played in the NHL, but we played the Islanders too. So they were, they had, I think they were just coming off three Stanley cups in a row. 
and we took them to the last game, right? So they blew us out the first two. It was like uh, seven, two and eight, one or something like that. And so, you know, three game series, you just figure they're going to go back to Pittsburgh and they're going to kick our ass and, you know, have a good summer and we'll see you next year. Well, we end up winning the third game in overtime and then beat them by two or three in the fourth game. Now we're going back to their and building. Yeah. Right. You're almost it, a big upset. Yeah. So we're so up that's what against Trottier and them? Trottier, Bossy, Gillies, uh, Podfan, Billy Smith, and that, right? And you're so, top four D man playing against those guys. Yeah. So, like I said, we're only four defensemen. That's it. The only way we'd get arrested if one of us was in a penalty box, that would be it, right? So, um, and I'm loving it. I'm going, holy shit. Like, this is what I've always wanted, right? You just want the chance and you finally get it. Yeah. So I'm getting it, right? Yeah, and you're and, in the, you're in the midst of it. You're in the middle of the goddamn playoffs. Yeah. And we're playing these three times Stanley Cup champions, right? So this is, so I'm loving this. So holy we get holy. into, the, we get into the fifth game and we're up three to one, right? With like five minutes to go in the game. I think it was three. Yeah. It was three, three, one. And they get a fluky goal and then they get a power play goal less than three minutes to go uh, to tie it. And we go to overtime. We lose in overtime. John Tonelli, John Tonelli scores. They go on to beat Vancouver uh, in the final for their fourth uh, Stanley Cup in a row. John Tonelli. I played at his arena <clears throat> in Halton Hills, right? Yeah. yeah. There's an arena named after player. him. He was a, yeah, he was a great player. A really good player. Underrated, but he was so good. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, I, just, I just gained so much confidence. I, then I knew I belonged right then and there. Right? Oh, yeah. So, like you're in the playoffs and you're playing against those guys and you guys are almost winning it. And you're yeah. playing top four and they're what? They're, so there's a couple D not playing or how many do you have? Well, we had six dress, but they would only they just play didn't play. We, really, they just didn't play, and uh, they would only play if we were, were in a penalty box. Your confidence would grow. So then the next season, it makes sense that you you get there and you're like, I'm I'm here and I'm ready to rock. And you finally got the confidence, like I am an NHL player and I'm doing this. And then the next two seasons, you got thirty two and thirty points, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think I had thirty five or something, but. What ended up happening was is that that summer I worked my ass off. I mean, I ran mile after mile. I ran sprint after sprint. It and, really does help, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's weird once you figure it out that it really does yeah, help. I, yeah, I've been on both ends, and I like that one a heck of a lot better. I tell you. It's, uh, Hockey's yeah, way just, easier uh, when you're skinny. Oh, uh, you know what? I went I. I went into training because we had uh, our training camps in Johntown, Pennsylvania, right? The home of the Johnstown Chiefs. I played right? there too. Yeah, yeah. Great rink, isn't it? It is a great <laughs> rink. I actually really like it. <laughs> so we uh, we had our training camps there, and I went into training camp uh, in better shape than when I came out of training camp. I was just such good shape. I went in there. I wasn't stressed. I wasn't tired. I wasn't anything. And so... What ended up happening was, is that I got off to a fabulous start. And, and you, sh- at- you showed up like guys do now. You showed up like yes. a pro and you yes. showed up ready to rock where other yeah. guys were using that to get in shape. Yeah. And so I, uh, I got off to a great start. The first 20 games I had, um, I think I had like 15 points or something, or I can't remember what it was. I was in top 10 in scoring. 
I still have this little thing upstairs and it's on the fridge and it's about that big. And it's the top scores in the NHL on November the 22nd or November the 2nd. Why well, I can't remember which one. And there is Gretzky, there's Trache, there's Marcel Dion, there's Guy Lafleur, there's Dennis Potvin, and then there's me, right? And I'm, going, right? and I'm going, holy shit, like I'm I'm in the top 10 of scoring in the NHL in November, right? Really? Which is, yeah, which is cool as shit, right? Yeah, it is. <clears throat> and so um, so I'm I'm and this is Sorry all based on in the mic. <laughs> so this is all based on the playoffs from the year before, right? Because just I just confidence you know, and believing in yourself and absolutely. like just having the mojo. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I get uh, I, I I'm going really well. And then I get hurt. I hurt my knee. And shut up. That's what happened to me. Yeah. So I'm out for three weeks. Right. And next thing you know, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. Right. But I'm skating and my knee still hurts. And, and I was a power play guy. Right. So our power play isn't going very well. And I got off to such a great start. So what, comes over to me at practice that are you know can you play and I go like I'm not really ready yet like my knees still bother me and I haven't had any full contact practices oh we need you in the power play you just want to play on the power play that's well, power play yeah yeah well that ended up being bullshit because I end up playing you know basically full minutes but every time I got hit my knee would hurt right and I wasn't I wasn't up to where I was before because I wasn't a I wasn't in shape and B, my knee was sore, sore, right? So anyway, uh, and then I just got going again, and then I separated my shoulder, right? And so um, that was for some time just before Christmas. And then I, uh, I, um, I think I was out for three or four weeks. And so I just got myself back into it again. So I ended up having a pretty good year overall. It was like 30 some odd points, right? And so, you know, in today's day and age, 30 some odd points in the NHL is probably worth about, you know, five, five million bucks a year, six million yeah, bucks a year. Give or take. Right. <laughs> right. So anyway, uh, yeah. So I ended up, uh, you know, it was kind of one, it was a great start, but the injuries kind of held me back for, you know, uh, a bit. And then I. Is that then, the first or second year? That would have been because the year before. Of the I was 30 there for, point years. Like, yeah. Is yes. that the first or second year? That would have been my first full year because I was only there for 25 games a year before after I got traded, right? And then the following year, I think I ended up having was it 35 points the following year, something like that. Well, I think I don't know. You so you got traded there, you had 10 points in 25 games. Then <laughs> you had two big years. Yeah. And then I got written down like Randy Cart. So like you played with a lot of coaches, eh? Yeah. Yeah, like so a Randy, lot Randy, of like big name coaches. Yeah, so Randy Carlisle, he was coming off. He was a defenseman of the year. What, what do they call that? The Norris. Nor was it Norris? Yeah. So I don't know. They call it, it that something. now. I, I can't remember what it is now. But anyway, um, so him and I were defense partners, and you know what a great guy to play with. He was such a great, good player, and is that easy right? for me to play with. So Randy yeah. Carlisle and Bruce Boudreaux. When I see them behind the bench, don't scream hockey player. Thrasher, Belgian whip here. <laughs> yeah, you well, Randy, Randy was all, he had one of those 
kind of roly-poly bodies too, right? Okay, but he could, so but similar he, to mine. But he could log 35 minutes a night. So could right? I. He, right? yeah. And so he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he was, uh, he was, he was a good defenseman. And um, so he could move if he's playing 35 minutes a night. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And he was in that, that, uh, the, that uh, uh, series against the Islanders when I was top four, him and I were partners. And so we played a lot together. And then the following year we were playing together as well. Yeah. Huh. So he, yeah, it's, it, it's funny after when I look back over all the years you play and then you look at the guys you played with and how many are still involved in hockey. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. It really is. And like, it's a deep down, it's, I don't know, like for me, it's a lot of it's the guys like, you kind of knew we're going to stay in hockey. Like they just yeah. loved hockey, right? They loved everything about it, or they just were so determined to be the best or whatever it was. Like you just, the guys that are still in it, just. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I could have chose to go that route myself, um, but I, I chose not to after I retired. Um, There's a um, lot of those decisions, right? Like right when you just, right when you retire mm-hmm. is a is the biggest decision making you do yeah and i i kind of knew i was going to retire at that time and it was just like okay if if i stay in hockey that means i got to move again right and yeah you know, and my you get wife, to the point where you don't want to but we're um, not there yet you're okay, skipping sorry, stuff sorry. stop it back <laughs> off okay we're we're not there yet because you have two great seasons after – so you get traded to the Penguins. You have half a great season. You have two great seasons. Then the next season, you play 11 games played after two great years. I kept looking. Mario Lemieux was a rookie that this year. This is the year yep. Mario is a rookie. And you get sent down after 11 games played and you're over 30 points for two years straight. Like what contract are you on? Cause you get sent down to the Baltimore skipjacks. Cause yeah. you'd think after two years of over 30 points, you're on a pretty serious deal and you're going to be there. Yeah. So what happens was that year um, they send me a contract um, and I never signed it. As a matter of fact, I still have it here at the house. Right. And I can't remember what it was for like a hundred grand or something. And I never signed it. Under and grand then, for over 30 points? Yeah. And then uh, and then I eventually ended up signing. I can't remember. It might have been slightly more than that. I can't remember. And that was like July, I think. And then what happened was I got sick in, in, uh, in um, August. I got mono. So, oh. I, I, was, uh, so I, was, I was working out. I was playing, you know, it goes back to my uh, Pittsburgh uh, a couple of years previous. So I was working really hard in the summers, right? So I'm out playing hockey, uh, scrimmage with a bunch of ex or not ex NHLers, but NHLers at the time. And, uh, and I felt terrible. Like it was just out there and I couldn't do anything, but I knew I was in pretty good shape because I was working out all summer. And so something was going on and I kept working hard. So I went for a blood test and the doctor says, no, nah, nothing's going on. So I went back out and started playing and working out and doing everything, but feeling like shit. So I finally went back for another test. It came back that I had mono. So that was in August. I never played again until December, right? So I was out basically four months. So what happened in that case was, is that 
Pittsburgh got a new coach, uh, Bob Barry. And he finds his guys he likes and what works for him. Exactly. Right. And where everybody fits and you're not part of it. Exactly. So I come back and I play. So what they do is they send me down to, uh, to Baltimore kind of on a conditioning thing, right? The old two week conditioning, but you're going to be down there for like four months. Yeah, no, I, yeah, so, I went to Dayton for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you know all about that, right? So anyway, um, and then they called me up and I was up there for, that's where, you know, I got the 11 games in. I played with Mario that year. But Okay, you know, so you didn't start with them. So you, yeah, no, I, yeah, you know, because it was, I was sick, right, for four months. So that's, that, that getting that mono probably, it derailed my, my hockey career, like my NHL Big career. time, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. if you start that season and maybe you're on a power play with him, it may, yeah, well, like I said to one guy, <clears throat> no regrets, right? Yep. Our yeah. journeys are what they are. Yeah, it, it, you know, it happens and you got to deal with it, right? You move on and it is what it is, right? So uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I played my 230. Uh, I get credit for about 300 for my, you know, because of injury and sickness. So, you know, I was in the show for over three, about 300 games. So, I mean, that's that's pretty darn good, right? Oh, so at the end there's of the day, right? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, so then you go down to the Baltimore Skipjacks, and uh, I guess you guys almost win it there. Like, you guys played yeah. 15 playoff games, so you almost win it again. Yeah, so we're in the finals, and uh, we got a really good team. And um, that year, we won 16 games in a row, right? We broke the pro hockey record that year for winning for winning streak. We won 16 games in a row. So we had a pretty good team. We pretty much breezed through the playoffs. And then uh, we had like a week off. Uh, we ended up playing Sherbrooke Canadians. Well, <clears throat> what do they end up doing? They bring up a kid named Patrick Waugh. Right? <laughs> you played against Patrick Waugh? So he, we played against Patrick Waugh. He stood on his head in playoffs. And they had some kids, uh, kids when I say that, but they had some guys that were sent down from, Monk, or from Montreal after they got beat out. Right. So we're playing sure, but we should have beat them. Uh, I think we lost in six games, but again, lose the Calder cup finals. So, you know, I'm over three in the Calder cup finals. And so, you know, in my career, I had five finals and one, one, that was it. So, so yeah. So but that, you're getting to the finals, a, man. That means a lot. Yeah. Like, that means yeah. like hockey's important. Like those seasons that like, you just like, barely make the playoffs or you don't do anything you think i can have a podcast over that shit (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean yeah yeah you gotta win stuff yeah for sure right i mean it's and that's the thing is you you come so close and the the worst thing uh, like i you don't mind losing i mean nobody likes to lose don't get me wrong all right that but but the other thing is is going to the the going to the finals is different than not making the playoffs or not being oh, like for sure. coming together as a team. You make the finals, you're almost there. You're still cut. You're your brothers for life, but kind of in a different way. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you, you both, you all know you'd all do anything for each other and yeah. you almost got there. Yeah, so we had some really good players. I mean, you know, Gabby again was down there with with me in Baltimore, and and uh, he was over in Germany, I think, at the time, and then ended up coming back for the last two months of the season. 
And uh, we had Andy Brickley, who ended up playing the NHL with Donald Pittsburgh and Boston, maybe Philly. He's, I think, is a Boston Bruin uh, broadcaster now. Um, uh, and, you know, so who else do we have on that team? It was pretty good. Like, we had some really good players, and um, we probably should have won that series. And um, that's the thing that's most disappointing because we are the better of the – even when I was in Moncton, we were better than Hershey. Like we were just a better team, but they caught fire at the right time. And the same with Sherbrooke. Sherbrooke doesn't call up uh, Patrick Ball. We probably win that thing going away. Uh, but it is what it is. And, you know, but the thing is you can get to the finals. It's pretty darn cool to get to three finals. Unfortunately, you don't win and that's playoff hockey, right? So, uh, but. Um, but the, the, yeah. the relationships you, 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 you grow with those guys that like when you make it to finals of something, yeah. it is different than the guys that like, I mean, like look at my season in Hellbron. I've had one guy on from that season and I, right. I like, it's like, what are we going to talk about? Like, right. Yeah. It was you a know, brutal I, season. Yeah. We had uh, Marty McSorley. He was a teammate down there too. And he was a teammate of mine in, in Pittsburgh and Steve Carlson, I uh, played with him for two years. And now he, Steve Carlson, most people probably wouldn't recognize the name other than the fact that he's one of the Hanson brothers. Oh, right. And so I played with him for two years. And, um, you know, this really is all cut. in Pittsburgh. This is all, this is Baltimore. Baltimore. Um, Marty was uh, McSorley. I had him in Pittsburgh. And then I had, excuse me, I had him in Baltimore as well. So, and yeah, so. so he was a pretty big boy and he'd be. He was trying to break into the league at that point then. He was just yeah, a young buck. Yeah, yeah, he was he was young. He was tough though, right? I mean, he was raw. He, his skill wasn't quite there. Uh, but you know, the thing with Marty, and I'll give him a, a, a credit, he was a guy that worked for it. He wanted it, right? So he would stay out after practice and do all the little skill things he needed to do. Yeah. And he 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 improved his skills so much and he deserves everything that he got that he got right Stanley cups and stuff like that and so there's a lot you know, of those tough guys that did that right and they yeah. would do that too they knew what their what they could do and they knew what they needed to work on to play right yeah absolutely yeah and so he was uh he was uh he was a good kid too I like Marty I still every once in a while we happen to cross paths and and you know talk uh talk uh quite fondly and uh, so uh, I like Barty. Always have good guy, uh, good team guy. So, okay, that okay. We got to get into now. We've been going a while here. Yeah, we're almost falling in the pocket like you and Scott, or myself <laughs> and Scott did. Not you and Scott did. I did. You know, like we yes. fell right into the pocket. He had the Bayfield bruise out too. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's a good thing I'm not drinking. We'd probably only be about a quarter way through this. I know, I know. Well, well, you know, we're almost there. We're almost there because I think we're leaving Baltimore now, right? Yeah. yeah. By the way, though, I've seen a television show called The Wire from Baltimore. And uh, was it pretty sketchy? Was it a pretty sketchy area? Was it nice back then? Uh, It was okay. I mean, it's like every uh, a lot of American cities, right? You go to there's sketchy areas, not so. Uh, sketchy there's nice areas places. And, there's not nice places. Yeah, so, so where the, you go. Yeah, so where the rink was, uh, it was nice. And uh, my first year down there, basically, I stayed in a hotel down there because, 
and I was only there for, you know, from j basically January on. And that's when Scott was basically four months old, five months old. So my wife stayed home in Barrie here, and then I went down to Baltimore. And so um, it was kind of one of those tough years and not knowing exactly where I was going to be. And so that's, that made it difficult. That's so, when life starts getting strange, isn't it? When you start yeah. having kids and you're still a hockey player and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Right. Yeah. And that kind of came to, to light, you know, as we're going to get into my next four seasons here, right. In Newmarket, Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, could I have signed somewhere else? Yeah, probably. But, so that is where we're at then is uh, the next four seasons you're in new market. So that's to be closer to home and you're deciding to be closer to home and you're maybe not making the same money you're going like you could have gone to Europe. You could have like, I think if you would have gone to Europe as the offensive player, you are, you could have really done her. Right. Yeah, I could have. And I think, but again, you have to, at that point you go, okay, well, the thing was the circumstances, right? So my wife was, she wanted to go back to teaching school because she was a teacher before we got married. She had to retire for a couple of years and then she wanted to get back into it. Right. So, you know, am I going to go over to Europe to continue my career uh, just for the sake of playing hockey or do we have to look a little bit further into uh, our, our future here and what are we going to do so she wanted to teach school and the boys at that point uh, I think Scott was when I play when I started there was you know he was two years old and Andrew just was born that year and then by the time I retired in 1990 Scott was six and Andrew was four and you know my wife is back teaching school so um, so it, it, in that sense it was the right decision because uh, I didn't want to move. All, I didn't want to move all over the place. Could I stay in hockey? Yeah, um, I didn't pursue it, but you know, I knew I, I could have gotten hooked up somewhere. Uh, yeah. but, you know, I just chose that I wanted to have a stable uh, kind of uh, stable roots, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. I totally know what you mean. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. At some point, it just goes off in your head, and you go, you know what? I think I've had enough. And, well, and, and like yeah. I mean like to each their own right everybody does their own thing yeah um i want to for my kids to be similar to myself is like that you have a home like this is home this is yeah. where you're from this is your buddies are from here and yeah. uh i got to the point in my career where it was like okay it's time to do that <laughs> and uh here we are. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that, you know, you, I don't regret it. I would do it again. Um, and, you know, for the sake of, you know, me trying to further my career or getting into something different, because even if I, you know, I hooked on with somebody uh, and I could have still been in the game right now, I just continued to move around from, you know, place to place. And that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been good for anybody. And so um, I thought it was important for them to have a a stable place to live and to grow up in and you know and they ended up playing hockey which is you know which is great and but you know um when they played hockey it wasn't about them making it anywhere in hockey it was just them having fun and, and with their buddies and and you know fortunate enough they were lucky enough as i was to to play pro right and that wasn't any goal in in mind but um they had the talent as you had talent to 
to to get to the next level right so well i've uh, met them too and i've talked to them and like there's a lot of guys in the <laughs> hockey world that like they always say like well i'm just a hockey player i'm just a hockey player and like the more i've talked around over the last year and the more people i've talked to is like hockey players aren't just hockey players like they're the guys that'll do anything for anybody. They're the guys that like get it right. They know how yeah, to help, yeah. help something succeed. And like, and I don't know, it's just well, interesting. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, the thing is you gotta, you know, it, here's, here's my thought on that. Right. Is it, you're not a hockey player. That's what you do. Right. You're, you're more than a hockey player. That's all. That's just your job. That's just what you do. Right. Exactly. So, right. So, you know, you're, you're more than that. You got a lot more to, to give than just saying. But you learn a lot player. from being a hockey player. You learn yeah, a lot absolutely. as a teammate. You learn a lot as a, an employee. You learn a lot as like, who's the boss? Who's the coach? Who's the assistant coach? Who's the captain? Who's the assistant captain? Where do I fit in this? Where am I? Do, where do I need to be? What, how do I help the team? Right. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's, and that's, I mean, you're in business now and I was in business too, and it's all about teamwork to get to a common goal, right? And what, what, what are you going to contribute to the common goal, right? So, um, and, and that's, that's all business. And so when, when you're hiring, if you hire ex-athletes for the most part, um, they understand what it's like to be a professional, right? And, um, and you know, part of a team and part of a team it's it's that's what it's all about i mean at the end of the day in sports it's all about winning and it's winning championships and and when you're in business uh, small wins means like i was in sales for a lot of years right so uh, every time you got a good sale it was a win it's like winning a hockey game right but so and you, it's, you, like, it's, it's like it's like it's like for me with like the instagram or the twitter or whatever it's like well, this is weird because I would never put this out as like myself, like that, mm -hmm. like I'm proud of this, but sure. I am proud of what's going on. I'm proud Absolutely. of what's going on in the shed. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to post this because the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I just did a podcast with my son who's eight years old and his goalie who's 10 mm -hmm. and in two days, there's been over 200 people listen to that. Right. That doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll just go with yeah. it, right? For sure, absolutely. No, yeah, I mean, the you, you, I mean, it's you're here for a short time, right? You may and, as well have fun, right? Well, yeah, you have fun, but you know, be good at what you do. Basically, at the end of the day, right? You may so, as well give her at whatever you're doing. You may as well be the best you can, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, what uh, what uh, stories did Andrew and Scott tell you to ask me? I'm sure they probably said something, didn't they? Um, actually, yeah, they did. <laughs> I got one right here on the phone. You ready? Is this from Andrew? No, no. I'm not going to tell you who it's from. Uh, I'll know right off the bat. Ask my dad about spitting. Hold on. Phone went dark again. Ask my dad about spitting his tooth at a referee. <laughs> yeah, well, I was coaching the boys, right? Because I coached them uh, when they were playing AAA. And I think I was yelling at the referee or something, and my front tooth came out. I loved, you know, we, uh, that Islander series that I was telling you about, I ended up losing the front tooth uh, thanks to Dennis Potvin, who 
in my mind, he gave me a butt end, so my front tooth got knocked out. He so, butt ended uh, you in the tooth? Right in the chiclets, yeah. And uh, I went down, and uh, next thing you know, I'm feeling around my mouth, and that tooth is gone. So anyway, make a long story short, I'm yelling at the referee in one of their games, and my uh, my tooth falls out and on the bench, and I can't find it. Right, So I leave the rink. And I can't remember if it was the next day or a week later and went by and I said, okay, well, I'll take a look to see. And there was my tooth sitting there in the corner underneath the bench. So I took it out and put it back in again. Now I did clean it before I put it back in. So, so did you spit it at a ref or not? I didn't spit it at him. It just, it was loose to start with. So when I'm yelling at him, the thing just went like this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did, did they ask you anything about the golf or anything? Any questions on golf? Nope. There, no? there were like, honestly, with how fast this all went, um, I would have had more time to prep, but I, I, uh, I got bored on a Wednesday and I was like, I really could use some adult conversation tonight. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I uh, Scott and I play golf every week together, right? So every he, week you guys play golf. I thought he had kids. Yeah, every Sunday he gets out and plays, right? So I what? play every I play every day. What? Like I, yeah, he plays on Sundays with me, right? So uh, whenever uh, Doug well, that's Ford a good decided, bar to set. Way to go, yeah. guys! Yeah, so good whenever work. Doug Doug Ford decided he was going to open up golf this year, remember like mid May or whatever. Yeah. I played. I played every day from there until our course closed on November first. Every day, right? even so with rain or rain shine, I don't care. I play. I got rain. Where suits. do you play? I, uh, Barry Country Club. Yeah. Awesome. So I play every day. Last year I played 164 days in a row. This year I played 160. So you got to be good row. if you're an athlete by now. Well, I mean, I, I play golf basically my whole life, right? So. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a scratch golfer. So are you I, really I zero yeah so i i zero handicap so I'd, but I'd, kind of I'd the running joke 65, is 65 didn't i how old yeah, are you yeah yeah 65 so sorry for burping the mic folks He's a scratch golfer at 65 so i the, kind of the running thing is the boys have never beat me yet in golf right now they'll say that they have but they haven't so yeah. is is I don't know if Scott is a golfer, but I don't recall Andrew being a golfer. Uh, he he's he, he's he can be pretty good. Um, like what? Um, mid eighties. Yeah, he's mid eighties probably now. Like it, it, he the unfortunate part, he only plays like three or four times a year. Well, we but, have real lives, right? Yeah, but when he if like he with ever kids lot, and like wives and like jobs, he'd be mid seventies if he could play all the time. And the same with Scott. He plays probably, he probably played 40 times this year. I think he's a seven handicap. 40 times this year. He had a kid. Yeah. Yeah. How many 40, times? 40. He had a kid though, right? He's got two. Yeah. So what happens? He goes out impressive. men's night on Thursday. Impressive, Scott. Thursday. Scott, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a, a great, a great wife who uh, she goes out and plays with her friends on Tuesdays, I think, or Wednesdays. And Scott uh, plays with me on Sunday mornings, right? So he's always home by noon. It's not the whole day, so he gets home around noonish and uh, still has the rest of the day with the kids. 
Yeah. Well, so, so you got to You got to choose, right? Golf or podcast, I guess. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I'll tell yeah. podcast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so. The only other person I didn't ask you about before we shut it down because I have it on my notes um, was uh, Scott Pearson was a young rookie and I had him on the pod and his son. And just mm-hmm. thinking of the father son things like he would have been a young punk when you're about at the end right uh yeah i think he was his first training camp i think i was at uh with toronto yeah yeah uh, I, i'm trying to i don't recall the year what it was probably late 80s my guess would be yeah uh, um but yeah i can't re- i can't recall i haven't seen scott for a lot of years now no, he was my roller hockey coach just randomly. And I had a son on who almost is making the NHL. And it's just like the whole father son thing of yeah. this podcast. And like, yeah. um, just interesting that I saw you had played with him, but like, thank you for coming on. And I know it was short notice and I should have had more random questions from your sons, but I couldn't wait till Friday and I wanted to podcast <laughs> tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no issue. Thanks for having me on. And like I said, uh, you know, if you run out of uh, guys to have on, have the three of us on. So we can I absolutely, right. I absolutely will never run out of guys to have on, but I will absolutely have the three of you on together because I think it would be hilarious to see the dynamic. It would uh, it would be pretty funny, yeah, because we go at each other pretty good, right? So I can't but, imagine with Andrew around that you guys go at each other. But well, you know what? He's uh, yeah. I mean, we can push each other's buttons and stuff, right? So I understand. He was, yeah, he was uh, he was a tough kid to uh, to harness <laughs> when he was younger, and uh, the only thing he, only thing he did was refine it over the years. But you saw it firsthand, right? And what he did with. Uh, with lordo with lordo and stuff but uh you know the the one thing i'll say with him though is i've never i've never seen a more competitive kid uh when when the the pucks dropped it's all business and uh, i'll do whatever it takes to win and uh i'll fight anybody on behalf of my teammates and uh you know it's so no i I totally agree i have played with many people like him and uh I didn't have the stature or the physique to fight people, but I was the same way. And I think that's why when we were on the power play together, like we both held each other very accountable. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think I saw one of his fights uh, in the big blue tent and uh, somebody from Fife, I think, uh, knocked you over right in front of their net right after and he was stuff. ready to rock right and away he, and he came right in and i'm trying to remember the guy's name it's kind of on the tip of my tongue and uh well, and, and that's what ha- that's like and that's what that team was though like if i got yeah. blown up somebody was coming to fight like but then yeah. it would be hoth and you're like hey you're our top scoring defenseman you run the power play stop it <laughs> stop yeah. fighting like but, let somebody else do that right but yeah and you're right and he probably was told many times to do that but at the end of the day it's hard to tell him because his first instinct is to go and help right and so um and yeah uh, you know but I, I you know he fought when it was necessary i don't think he fought when it wasn't right? I, I i i actually yeah no i 
I never played with Scott. I, I never played with him, but Andrew was the most impressive defenseman I played with for his competitiveness, for understanding what the team needed from him at that point. And like, he'd score big goals. He'd make big assists. He would fight when we're flat and Fife. He would do anything for the team. Yeah. And and Scott was just a different player, right? I mean, he was, but he was, he had, he could play. He was strong. And I just never played with him. Like he, yeah. Yeah. And he was a big, strong, ran the power play. Right. I, I yeah, could shoot the puck and, you know, played a different role in, uh, in Cardiff um, than, than um, what he was used to. Yeah. Well, then what he's used to, and probably quite frankly, uh, you know, he took a bit of a back seat that year. Uh, he probably should have played top um, uh, maybe four minutes uh, or top four. Uh, yeah. Top four minutes. And uh, he didn't, but that's okay. Cause he understood what, you know, what the whole, and and goal was is to win the championship right and he knew he had a good team and um you know but uh yeah it was it was fun watching them both play and the great thing about cardiff though too is you get to watch every game right every home game uh so i think out of the four years that i was watching i think i missed one game that was it well my my parents never really got to watch me when I was overseas, right? Like I was on a sling box. I like my parents didn't see me play till right. Like right at the very end was when there was the odd stream and like people back home could actually see a game. And like, it would be, it's interesting how it can keep you connected to home. Right. Because when you're in Germany and you're by yourself and like, you're just playing games and your parents can't see you nobody can see you play and you got all this shit going on in your life and nobody can even see what's going on. Right. Yeah. And that was the one year that I probably felt the worst for Andrew. Right. I mean, that's, that's your son and you know, he's getting blackballed by some, some dick that shouldn't be in hockey. Um, And probably Andrew didn't help himself out in a lot of ways, but at the end of the day, no, but you um, wouldn't know what right? it is. It's, it, this guy is. Yeah, yeah. She's extreme as she gets. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I know we've been on a long time here, and I know you got to go. So uh, no, I, I just, I honestly, I can't thank you enough. Like literally, sure. like I, I called you out of the blue on a Wednesday, and I was like, "Can you make this work?" Because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do this. I, I wanted to get to know you. I wanted. I don't know. I, I like your boys. I like, I, I don't know. I like yeah. everything about the Hotham family so far. Um, but anyways, um, thank you for doing this. And it was great getting to know you. Well, I appreciate it, Wally. And uh, hopefully we'll touch base soon. Oh, yeah. And uh, don't forget, like, uh, the jersey's up for auction, folks. It's two pounds of tickets or like four bucks. And uh, maybe we'll make enough money to donate to charity here and uh you know we got the leafs alumni president on right he maybe he'll be able to come up with something who knows well uh we'll we'll talk off uh, off air okay no i'm just kidding but thank you so much and okay, uh, i'm very impressed with your whole career and uh your two young men you you grew up and this has been another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Papa Hoth and Wally.
Some people clap on the one and three. Some people clap on the two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy I'm 